For more than a decade, Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. Good morning, Winnipeg! Good morning, Manitoba, for all those joining us live this morning on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms. We say good morning, universe, and welcome to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, the season finale, which means, as you are all aware, it is AMA. Ask Manuk Mindel anything, whatever is on your mind. Be it Jets-related, be it Moose-related, be it hockey generally in Winnipeg-related, be it love advice, be it life advice, AMA, ask us anything, put it in the chat, tweet it to us, we very well may get to it over the course of the next couple of hours. I see you, Spency, booing. Spency, I looked for you yesterday. I was at the golf course. I saw your name up on the wall, site manager or whatever it says. Big shots and Spency Sutton, but I didn't see the Spency himself. I was very disappointed about that. But in any event, ask us anything. Whatever's on your mind, we will get to it over the next couple of hours as it's Dave and Drew driving the bus. We'll be back five weeks from today, the Saturday after Labor Day. So I know that's going to be a lot of withdrawal for some of you. And you're going to miss us deeply as we will miss you. But nonetheless, we will do what we can to bring you the latest in Winnipeg Jets content. Dave M., I've talked for too long. Good morning. Good morning to you, Drew. Good morning, everybody in the chat. Ready to go. Season finale. Can't believe we're we're finally here, which means summer is about to begin, which is odd <laughs> because it's halfway over. But regardless, we'll uh, we'll chuck along for whatever we can, as, as you'll always remind people. We'll still have content on IllegalCurve.com, or as I guess I'll remind people. And, of course, we'll be doing some probably one-on-ones throughout the course of August. So uh, stay tuned to our YouTube Did Dave just freeze? I'm not sure what happened to Dave. He may have just spontaneously combusted. I'm not entirely certain what happened. I hope you folks can still hear me because on my end, I just see that Dave has frozen in mid-sentence. He's frankly never looked better. He's just sort of, a, a you know, he, the lighting is catching him well on the screen, but I'm not sure what happened to Dave other than that, that he seems to have disappeared altogether from the screen. Uh-oh, looks like it's the Mindell experience for the rest of you for the next little while. This is a problem for both Dave for yourselves and myself, as I need to stall for the next while as Dave figures out what the heck just happened. Oh, it looks like he is back. What happened there, Mr. Manuk? You just got so excited. You went, you just, you just spontaneously combusted, like I said. I wish I could say that, but unfortunately it, it appears that the internet, uh, I don't know what's going on. Maybe as he's secretly at my house and he's downloading CSI <laughs> in Miami or something, but regardless, I don't, uh, I didn't know what happened, but it appears to be working fine now. So all I'll finish my statement was illegalcurve.com will still have plenty of content as will the YouTube channel. So make sure you're uh, subscribing. Well, that's very reasonable of you and, 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 and good thing for you to do. Let's, before we get into some of the AMAs and we will get into them throughout the course of the show, you know, 
as this is the season finale, it's a good opportunity to sort of look back at the entirety of the Jets offseason. And we know how it started. It started with the what I'll call controversial back and forth between the head coach and a number of the players regarding the end of the series against the Vegas Golden Knights. We know the big moves that happened in the offseason, the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade, the Blake Wheeler buyout. We know the big moves that haven't happened. Don't appear as though they're imminently going to happen, at least. That has to do with Connor Hellbuck and Mark Shifley. So, Dave, when you sort of take a, a step back now that we're, uh, you know, towards the end of the summer and things are going to get really sleepy in the NHL, how would you assess the Winnipeg Jets offseason uh, in, a, in, a, in a sort of in a macro sense of the word? Well, it feels like Ginsburg's here if you're dropping a macro uh, reference. But, yeah, look, I think, I think you have to view it as a success to date. I mean, I think... It will be a failure, of course, if we're here next year this time talking about not having gotten anything back for Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck and having not won the Stanley Cup. But uh, we'll, of course, have to wait to see what happens there, Drew. I mean, it's, you know, with the the news about Patrice Bergeron retiring in Boston, Mm -hmm. and now the question becomes, will the uh, Bruins be more aggressive? Of course, the the thought prevailing thought is that they are more interested in Elias Lindholm from Calgary than they are in Mark Shifley from Winnipeg. But regardless, we don't know what the Flames are going to do. We know that they're actually trying to get a lot of their guys signed still. So uh, they're trying to keep that team together and hope that, you know, by firing the coach, they'll have uh, made the changes that they needed to make to get them that bounce back after a disappointing season last year. And so, um, and look, I, I think that, the, you know, Kevin Sheveldayoff painted himself into a corner with Pierre-Luc Dubois last summer because he knew the d- intentions of his of his center and instead – chose to keep him and, and hope that maybe they could change his mind or whatever. And the reality is that they got a good trade for Pierre-Luc Dubois. They got some good pieces back. They made their team a deeper team, which is what this team has needed for a long time. Mm-hmm. So you could eliminate guys, uh, you know, on the fourth line who maybe would be good in one aspect of the game, but that was it, right? A Saku line and being your fourth line penalty killer. Well, that's great. But what else did he do? Not much. You know, his, his stick was where offense went to die. And so the reality is that you you were able to add a little bit of depth to this organization, which is something they needed. They needed to get away from Blake Wheeler as much as probably Blake Wheeler needed to get away from the organization at this point. So in that regard, I think they made this, the right decision. And then ultimately, again, you know what they're going to do with Connor Hellebuck and Mark Shifley? Well, I mean, I, I suspect that folks are hoping, you know, that they'll come to some sort of resolution before the season begins. Again, Drew, we're not certain how we're not as certain as to that actually transpiring although mm-hmm. we're, i think both of the opinion that it's probably not going to be a a trade uh anytime soon of course i'll probably break it a minute after we're off the air for the for five weeks but <laughs> ultimately i just think that yeah no i think that the the team is there's a lot of expectations right like scott wheeler did his athletic redraft of 2020 i don't know how you're already doing a redraft of 2020 considering it was like a minute ago right but but, but he does have Cole Perfetti jumping up six spots now I know Scott Wheeler has a soft spot for Cole Perfetti but I think ultimately a lot of I think Kevin Sheveldayoff has a soft spot for Cole Perfetti and I think that that's going to be a big factor is whether he can take a, a step forward and whether Gabe Velarde can seize that 2C opportunity and if he can and he had you know again he talked about his opportunities in LA and how he's now earned that you know not earned it like he owns it but that he's 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 done the things defensively that he needed to do. Well, wouldn't that be a big thing for the Winnipeg Jets? So um, I think ultimately the Jets are a deeper team. And the only problem is right now is that what are the question marks? And what are the conversations like between Kevin Sheveldayoff and Connor Hellebuck and Mark Shifley? And what's that going to look like? And I think that's ultimately how we're going to decide 
whether it was a successful summer or not. But but for now, I think it's it's definitely it's it's better than it was because the uncertainty with Dubois and the uncertainty with Wheeler, you've now answered both those questions, and the organization as a whole feels different. And that's a lot of what we talked about with Vlad Nemestikov last week, mm-hmm. and just in general with players. Lauren Brassois was talking about it. That idea of guys feeling like there's a different opportunity here in Winnipeg this year. Yeah, a changing of the guard is certainly, I think, a a bit of a theme for the summer. But at the same time, a changing of the guard where there's still a lot of uh, of work to be done. It's almost incomplete. We don't know, you know, until the Shafley and Hellebuck situations get resolved and very well, plus the defense. The Shafley situation, the Hellebuck situation, and the defense. And I know that, you know, there's no necessary obligation to adjust the defense, but everyone was expecting there to be some moves on the back end uh, in terms of the log jam, as it's been referred to, especially with Declan Chisholm and, and his, uh, you know, non-waiver exempt status. You know, there, there's still, uh, I would say, some some shoes that could drop over. I don't expect they're going to drop, though, in July, or obviously July is almost over. In August, I think if they're going to drop, it would probably be around training camp. I think that you could maybe potentially see something else happen around training camp, but I don't think it's necessarily uh, likely because Kevin Dayoff is not proactive when it comes to trades, as we've talked about ad nauseum on this show for many years. He only makes a trade when he's finally sort of gun to the head, has to do something. Now, I think they'd be insane to potentially risk Declan Chisholm losing him on waivers like they did Johnny Kovacevic, but I thought they were insane last year for losing Johnny Kovacevic in the manner that they did all, you know, for the, you know, in the interest of keeping, I guess, Kyle Capo Bianco or whatever the decision was. It didn't make any sense then, and it, and it doesn't make any sense now. Uh, AMA to you, Mr. Manouk. Should we boot Ginsburg from the chat because he's being his usual obnoxious self? Uh, I guess the question is, if Ezzy's in the chat, why is Ezzy not on the show? <laughs> I'm fine with him not being on the show as long as he's not in the chat. I, I mean, I, I think that would be my comment. Is that- I don't know. The guy does seem to have some good ideas. <laughs> yeah. Good luck with all that. With Dave as permanent host, I don't think that's going to work out very well. No, no offense, Dave, but it's hard to host and tweet and uh, update websites all at the same time. Fair point. As, Fair you, point. as you well know. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, maybe give Ginsburg a timeout just because we have the power and he's kind of annoying. So let's get rid of him for a little <laughs> bit. And he's gone. So there you go. All praise King Mindell. And all, and, Wait, and, by the way, you, no, you didn't just give him a timeout. You banned him and all of his comments have been removed. Oh, so even you know. better. I, I don't and guess what i have no clue how to unban somebody i think that takes a multiple steps so apologies i did not mean to throw him to ban him wink okay, wink really. <laughs> but nonetheless it's okay i'm sure i'll be hearing about that in five weeks time five when, weeks he's gonna be texting you immediately of course he is but he's not i'm not i'm also not gonna answer uh, you're gonna also bet you're also gonna you're gonna block his number from your cell phone <laughs> i've already blocked it years ago so it's all yeah. good uh rob mahoney with a very important question here Uh, His sister is visiting from Abbotsford, British Columbia. Everyone in the family is leaving at 10 a.m. to go to the beach, but nobody understands why he can't leave until 11 a.m. What should Rob tell his family about the reason for why he can't leave until 11 a.m., Dave? Well, I mean, obviously there's the number one Saturday morning show for the last 15 years. So, I mean, that's the reason why he can't leave uh, before 11 o'clock. And, and more importantly, when he does leave, I hope Rob is ready to get to Salty's. I may have had a Salty's pizza yesterday, so make sure you stop there. And, 
it's it's uh, beach days in Winnipeg Beach today, so or this weekend. So uh, have fun at that, Rob, when you get there. But of course, uh, more importantly, not only should you explain to them, they shouldn't be leaving till eleven o'clock. You should get them all around the computer or the television or whatever you're watching us on, and make sure that the family is also enjoying uh, a little thing called the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. There you go. So thank you to Rob for his dedication, as always, uh, to the show. Uh, here's a good question, actually, coming from Spency. Uh, how does Naomi, as his wife, have more patience than the biblically patient Job? Uh, that is, she's she's a a, a saint of a woman. Uh, Spency <laughs> is the answer to that, and I don't know how she has that much patience because clearly, from my uh, accidental banning of Ginsburg, I do not have nearly that same level of. You've patience. also you've also received years more of uh, of acrimony and uh, and uh, Ginsburgisms than Naomi has. So we'll see if she's at the same place Drew is uh, this many years into their marriage. That's a fair comment on your point. I have been dealing with his uh, unique uh, brand of insanity for for much longer uh, on on that on that point of view. Uh, let's. This is a good one. Matthew Thompson, Sebastian Aho of the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, just signed a contract extension earlier this week. He's going to get paid, I believe, uh, nine. What's was that? It nine, is it like 9.75 or something like that? It's something. Definitely started with a nine. Let me look it up real quick. Yeah, 9.75 million over the next, uh, I believe it was a max deal. So if I'm not mistaken, it'll be, it's eight years for him, um, which is a, yeah, it was, it was a, eight years. Yeah, it's a huge contract. And so Matthew was asking, will Mark Shifley's number be similar to Sebastian Ajo's? And uh, my answer would be no, simply because as, as, as one dimensional as Mark Shifley is, teams aren't going to pay him like they are the exceptionally well-rounded and and skilled Sebastian Ajo. The reason that there hasn't been a big trade market for Mark Shifley is because the 31 other teams around the league know what Mark Shifley is. Fantastic in his own zone, pardon me, in the offensive zone, an elite goal scorer, at least last year, getting 42 goals. But he is such a detriment in his own zone that he's a one-trick pony. And nobody is going to pay $9.75 million for the next eight years for a one-trick pony. Dave, mm -hmm. your thoughts on that uh, On that comment? Yeah, and Shifley's also older than Ajo, as, as pointed out by Matthew Thompson. And right. so I think Matthew Thompson, who's asked the original question, but uh, yeah, no, I don't, I don't. I mean, look, I think Mark Shifley has talked about himself in that I want to be an elite center uh, mindset, but he's an elite goal scorer, I would say, not an elite center. And that is why he won't be receiving that kind of money. No, I don't think so. So um, look, I, I think maybe if the Jets are willing to keep him for the next eight years and may, basically make him a one team man, then mm -hmm. maybe, but, and or like, like Rob is saying right now, if, if, if Shifley can get back to the type of player he was, then maybe you're having a different conversation, but you know, as, as my Baba would say, what was, was, and that, you know, 2018 when he was, you know, playing that type of hockey is a little different now than, than it is in 2023, uh, heading into the 2023-24 season. So, yeah, I, again, like I said, I don't think it's that kind of money for Mark Shifley, but we'll see. I mean, you know, do the Jets want to make him the guy here and, you know, statuesque, if you will? So uh, I don't think that they're going to. Uh, I think the Jets want to sign him to an extension. I mean, that's that was mine. I believe you, you had the same sort of feeling mm -hmm. with respect to Mark Shifley. When, when it was talk when there was a lot of talk about all four were changing hands and I was like mm, I don't know I don't think so but um so we'll see we'll see that uh, what the number comes in but I it's definitely not in not the 9.75 
category. I would agree with that. No, 9.75 would be too rich. Like Mark Shifley, you know, is listening. He's not listening to the right people. This is my opinion. So let me just Mm -hmm. make sure it's clear that this is my opinion when it comes to Mark Shifley. He listens first and foremost to Adam Oates. And Adam Oates was a fantastically talented hockey player in his day. But Mark Adam Oates has been detrimental to Mark Shifley's career and his reputation around the league. Again, my opinion. By, by listening to Adam Oates, who preaches only one side of the game, offense, 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 it has handcuffed Mark Shifley as, as a player. I mean, Mark Shifley, as, as I think it was uh, Rob Mahoney mentioned in the chat, you know, there was a time where Mark Shifley showed glimpses of being a complete player. Back when the Jets were at their peak, Mark Shifley was one of the best players in the league, bar none. You remember the series against the Nashville Predators? We all do. Mm-hmm. He was dominant out there. And that Mark Shifley has not been seen since. And, you know, anybody who's banking on that Mark Shifley returning is going to have to somehow get through to him so that he understands where his responsibility, what what his fulsome responsibilities are. And nobody's been able to do that as of yet. As I said to you, as I said on last, was it last week's show when I went on my little uh, Steve Eisenman rant about it, Shifley, and said yeah. that it's possible? I, I Look, I, I think once he has the contract, I think all bets are off in terms of what you're going to see from Mark Shifley. Because I think at that point, he's going to recognize, as having this conversation with someone else, that um, I think he'll understand that at that point now, it's about legacy. And I think that he'll he'll know that, you know, to be a guy who, I mean, look, how many times do we talk about a player? He was a great player, never won a cup. Mm-hmm. We say that a lot about guys. You don't want to be in that category. You want to be known as a great player. You want to be Mark Stone. You want to be known as a great player, and you have a cup, yeah, or or multiple cups. So, so I I think I think that fifty five is 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 aware enough of the legacy impact. I mean, don't get me wrong, the financial impact. I mean, I look, he 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 made enough money off his first contract to never have to worry about money. Yeah. So his second contract is going to be a lot of gravy. But, but you but, think that the you think just so you know, and I know we've talked about this before, but you mm-hmm. think that a lot of his shortcomings recently, particularly the defensive zone shortcomings, yeah. are a function of him trying to get so much offense that he that he gets a higher that he gets a bigger contract, and then he'll become a more well-rounded player. Uh, again, I, I'm not in his head. I have no you know particular insight. That's just my own thought process is that he wants to be seen in that elite level. He wants to get a big contract and he wants, he wants, again, like I said, I think he wants to have that sort of that element of legacy. And then again, I think he, I, I believe again, I'm not saying it's a hundred percent, but I think I know we've seen it and he, we know he's capable. And I think once he no longer has to think about his contract ever again, you know, if the Jets signed to a seven or eight year deal, once he no longer has to think about that ever again in his career, I do think that, you know, those, those next four years of, for Mark Shifley, we'll see a different sort of player. That's my own personal opinion. You may see a guy who scores 30 goals and has a bigger impact on the 200 feet of the ice. Maybe you don't, maybe I'm wrong. I'm not saying it's hundred percent. I just think that that you could see that based on the kind of guy he is in terms of his awareness of the, of the game. And again, like I said, it, it could be completely a terrible take, but it's mine nonetheless. Okay. Well, it, it's certainly a bold, and it, I know it's not when you, it's not new, something you've said a couple of times, but I do think it's a really interesting perspective because it sort of runs counter to 
the usual logic in that somebody gets their big contract. That's when they become fat and lazy, as opposed to me, who's never had a big contract and just fat and lazy by default. <laughs> but, you know, that that's sort of when they become. But you're thinking it's actually going to be the other way. He gets his big contract and then he gets sort of an extra boost of motivation or he can put that aside and he can only focus on being the most well-rounded player possible. So it is a def- different sort of uh, thought process than you're typically used to hearing from uh, from w- when it comes to professional athletes. Yeah. Well, again, like I said, takes or takes. We'll see. We'll see. You can judge mine. You can judge this one in a few years. You certainly will be able to judge that in a few years. But a very good question from uh, from uh, uh, Matthew there to uh, start off the AMA on this morning show. It's ask Manuk Mindel anything until 11 a.m. Central, our season finale here on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Whatever's on your mind, Jets-related, Moose-related, prospects-related, love advice, life advice, put it into the chat. We'll try and star it. We'll try and flag it, and we'll try and get to it over the course of the next couple of hours. Bailey, official intern, she asks, what was our favorite moment from the post-game show this season? That's a great question, Bailey. Because there was a lot of funny moments. There was a lot of frustrating moments when it came to watching the Jets, particularly in the second half of the year. But there were also a lot of funny moments or favorite moments from the post-game show. Dave, anything that jumped to your mind regarding uh, favorite moments from the post-game show? Well, I mean, two two jump right out at me immediately. Number one, our New Year's Eve special. Unfortunately, Drew, you weren't on there. But you know yes. who was? Spency. Spencey was there. Uh, Spencey in the hot tub. So, I mean, that was, of course, uh, a momentous occasion. And then I think the other one was when we wrangled up the, the fan who was cracking his neck. Uh, <laughs> was that the game against the Detroit Red Wings, I believe? I, I, and yeah. and we wrangled him up because his cousin watches the show. And so we ended up getting that the neck cracking dude on a legal curve. So uh, that was both a highlight and a low light, I would say, of our show this year. But it was funny nonetheless. Yeah, that was uh, that was illegal curve at its absolute best. We don't do any investigative journalism when it comes to hockey. That 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 would be too much effort. But when it comes to a guy who violently adjusts his neck live on the on the TV broadcast, we're gonna move mountains in order to bring you that guy here on the program. Even if he was so intoxicated, he has no clue who he was talking to or what he was doing. So that was a uh, a double whammy, as it were. Uh, back during the uh, the post game show, so that's a great question from Bailey because uh, that I forgot I'd sort of forgotten about that one. They on occasion sort of blend together uh, one show to the next, but the neck cracking guy was a uh, was certainly a, 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 a historic moment. I don't know if we can go so far as to say historic it was a moment. moment, but it was, it, was, a it was it was a moment. Yeah, that that certainly that it certainly was. Uh, let's keep going with some of the AMA questions. This is a good one from CMAC. With Rick Bonus being in his last year of his contract and the likelihood that he won't be continuing as coach, and maybe taking a leap, but I'll, I'll, I'll allow it, C-Mac, will the players treat him as a lame duck coach? Is that why they felt it was okay to go against him? And the lame duck coach situation is something that is frequently brought up, not necessarily with the, strictly with regard to the Winnipeg Jets, but it's something that you hear throughout the league, that a coach who's in his last year of his contract, for some reason, will not be able to garner the respect, will not be able to garner the attention, will not be able to uh, harness the forces of their dressing room because they only have that one season left. Do you think that's an issue with regard to Rick Bonus uh, and the Winnipeg Jets this year, Dave? And I and you can even leap off of that a little bit and say, 
do you think there are going to be lingering ramifications from the way last year ended with the back and forth? No, I don't. I don't think so. I think Rick Bonus has been in this league long enough that he knows how to, you know, smooth out some ruffled feathers as need be. And I suspect that, you know, a lot of these guys, if you ask them today, would say that they didn't handle it the right way. But my guess is that they're, you know, I, I don't think we'll ever hear it again. And if we do hear it, it'll all be smooth, whether it is or isn't Drew, mm-hmm. it will all be copacetic. But I think that, uh, you know, I think that there's a couple of things that you have to think factor in. Number one, Rick Bonus is a guy who's is a pretty beloved coach and uh, respected coach. So I don't know that guys, it's not like he's a young coach in the league and is kind of a lame duck. And I don't, I don't know, especially in this organization, I, I just don't see anybody saying, you know, treating him in that way. And you got to remember also Scott O'Neill is, is the presumptive, you know, next head coach of the Winnipeg Jets. Rick Bonus is, yeah. The coach in waiting. So you kind of have to be aware that, you know, if you don't respect this guy, and he's, you know, Scott Arneal is his handpicked guy with, along with him, well, probably True North pick guy, I should say, but but along, but they have a lot of mutual respect. They've worked together and for over the years. They know each other, obviously going back to the Jets 1.0 days. So I think you, you can't really afford, if you're a player, to treat Rick Bonus with any sort of um, lack of respect because you know that, in theory, the next head coach of the Winnipeg Jets is going to be on that bench watching what you're doing. So I, I would say maybe in the normal course, it could happen, but I think with both with Rick ben- Bonus's longevity, I don't think that many folks are going to want to be known as the guys who are disrespectful to a guy who's as respected in the game. And then again, because of the Arneal factor, I think that also changes the the equation a little bit. Yeah, you know, I, I, it'll be interesting. I, you know, what's going to happen? I can tell you exactly what's going to happen is that the you know when the t- players gather and, and the coaches gather together for training camp, somebody will ask Rick Bonus about the end of season comments again, like because it's just that's the right journalistic approach to take. And Rick Bonus is immediately going to shut it down and say, that was last year, this is new this year, it's a new year. And that to try and end that talking point before it continues on. But you know, every time there's going to be struggles this year, and there always are going to be struggles. In my opinion, that's still going to be lingering over here a little bit just maybe outside the, the the screen, but it's not going to be too far away. Just because the way it happened, the way it occurred, the almost unprecedented nature of that, where you see, you know, coach and players openly feuding, it just uh, is always going to be something that's going to be talked about, especially during any losing streaks. So if the Jets get off to a struggle this season, and I don't think that they will, I think that the Jets are – it would not surprise me if the Jets' season starts similar to last season in that October, November, when the games are quote-unquote easier, the Jets might be able to take advantage of that You know, with, until some of the other teams are beginning to roll. Because mm-hmm. I do think the Jets' team, compared to last year's Jets' team, is certainly deeper. I don't know that they're better. I don't know that – you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois at his peak, I don't know that Velarde and Ayafalo and Kupari can equal Pierre-Luc Dubois at his peak. They can prove me wrong. I think they have the talent, especially Velarde does, to get up to that level. But when Pierre-Luc Dubois was rolling at, you know, earlier in the season, year, yeah, when he season. was rolling, he was a beast out there. And I don't know that those guys can necessarily match that. But 
time will tell on that front. But I do think it's incumbent on the Winnipeg Jets. It's actually it's 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 as important as ever that they get off to a good start this year, so that the uncertainty from last year is sort of pushed pushed away and put to bed, rather than always sort of coming up if they were to struggle to begin the season. I do think that is almost uh, you know going to be a key factor for the team. Uh, for that for that to happen. Last question, last AMA before we go to break for the first time. M dude wants to know of the of yourself, Dave, or myself, or yeah. Ezzy, who's not here and will never be back because I've banned him for life. Apparently, who would most enjoy living in Barbie Land? Have you well, seen the movie? I have not. Okay. Do you understand the premise of the movie? I really actually don't, to be honest with you. I have no, I have no, absolutely you understand no what a Barbie is. Let's just, we'll start I, that. Small. I do, that okay. I do, but I, I don't, I can't pretend like I, I, I didn't. The only reason I know anything about Oppenheimer is because my buddy's great uncle was what, one of the scientists who was involved in that. Yes. But other than that, I, I didn't want, I'm really not that interested in when this stuff is all like everybody's talking about it. I'm like, eh, don't care. So not Oppenheimer, not, not interested in Oppenheimer, and, and quite frankly, not interested in Barbie Land either. Okay, well, the movie's called Barbie, for the record, not Barbie Land, but uh, nonetheless, the land where they live is called Barbie Land. I saw the movie on Wednesday with my wife, uh, Barbie, not Oppenheimer. We're highbrow in this household. Your wife is named Barbie? My, my, yeah, my, wife, my wife, Barbie, went to see Barbie. Um, I, look, I thought it was a fine movie. I thought it was perfectly reasonable. I didn't regret going to the movie. I had a few chuckles. I thought it was well done. G given that it's a movie about a doll, it's sort of impressive that they were able to get a story out of it the way they were. Uh, but, you know, people that were going, you know, hog wild over it, I, you know, making it sound like it was the greatest cinema cinematic masterpiece in the history of the, uh, of movie making, I thought was a little bit over the top. Mm -hmm. um, but, Nonetheless, my movie reviews, you know, are not why people tuned in. I think that I would enjoy living in Barbie land. I think I would enjoy just sort of being able to. Yes, Jay, I went with my wife. As a, my wife said, do you want to have a date night at a movie? Jay but you Miller, also suggested you are also the one who suggested. Laura said, let's go see Oppenheimer. And Drew's like, nah, I'm more of a Barbie night for me tonight. It's true that, that that may or may not have happened, but you'll never know the truth to that. My wife said, let's go to have a date night, and I'm of course would do anything if my wife's offering me a date night so that's why we went to see barbie so i will not take your slings and arrows jay miller criticizing me for having seen barbie but uh nonetheless i i, I think that i could enjoy living in barbie land i think i would be a very good uh, beach uh you know beach ken beach drew very similar just sort of standing there really the the number of people who came up to me in the theater and confused me with Ryan Gosling was really quite astounding. I couldn't. <laughs> like, what are you doing in Winnipeg? That's right, Dude, Ryan Gosling. Is that you? Oh no, it's just Mindell from the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Nonetheless, AMA. Ask Mindell Manuk anything. It rolls on after these commercial <laughs> messages. We talk about the Jets. We talk about Barbie. We talk about whatever's under the sun. We'll be right back on this Saturday morning. Hour number one of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show rolls on the season finale. AMA, Ask Mendel, Manuk, anything. We've touched on numerous Winnipeg Jets topics. We've touched on Barbie, because why not? Uh, we've touched on all sorts of different things. So let's uh, uh, <laughs> so let's keep it rolling as we work through all sorts of questions on this Saturday morning. I had a question come in via Twitter DM, Matt Bergen. Uh, you know, and I'm going to summarize his question rather than.
than read it because he wrote a very long and extensive uh, email. And he asks on any given night, he turns on an NHL game and he sees arenas that look two-thirds full for a lot of teams like the Islanders, the Devils, the Sabres, the Stars, the Predators, the Panthers, etc., etc., etc. Why do we never hear about this being troublesome for those teams, yet we're hearing fear-mongering campaigns in Winnipeg? So why is the lower attendance in Winnipeg the last couple of years a bigger issue than it is in certain American markets that don't often sell out either, Dave M. Well, I mean, first of all, it's capacity, right? I mean, Winnipeg's capacity is smaller. So I think that people, you know, make it more of a, an issue because when you're going from, you know, let's say, San, let's use San Jose where their their crowds have been bad uh, because the team has been bad. Right. You know, they're, 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 I don't know what their average is, but, you know, they're dropping from a 20 something thousand seat arena. They're still in the upper teens. So it doesn't seem as significant, but I mean, look, you watch games in Florida, you watch games in, in some of these markets and you're, it's, it's a fair comment. And, you know, the, 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 it's interesting because the uh, pillaring of, of Canadian markets and the derision that, that Canada receives is actually hilarious given the fact that where do these organizations think the money comes from? Is it coming from some insane TV deal from the States? No, uh, in fact, the TV deals in the states are crashing and burning. But so, so it's just it, I hear this this like anti Canada talk in general. I'm not going to go Winnipeg specific, mm. but I just think it's just it's crazy to me to hear about all of these players talking about. Like I was listening to Ryan O'Reilly's, you know, uh, he was on um, one of the podcasts in the states, and they're talking about, well, wouldn't you rather be here, you know, in the states? And that, that, that. I'm like, well, where do you think your money's coming from? Like all of this pillaring of Canada, it's hilarious given the fact that it's Canada that is providing such a significant portion of the money and you're the about league revenues. League revenues, of course. So I'm saying, well, what, what do you, how do you think you're making your money? It's not from it's not from San Jose. Maybe it's great to live in San Jose, but it's not because you know there's a market in San Jose. So um, I don't know. I just I, I'm kind of getting a little bit sick and tired of listening. This isn't a Winnipeg thing. This is a Canada, uh, a negative towards Canada thing. Maybe I'm just wearing my 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 red shirt. So I'm, I'm being very patriotic today, but I just think it's just crazy to me to hear these folks complaining about, you know, the markets and, and look, if you ignore what our economy looks like after COVID and after everything that's been going on, then you're not paying attention. And, and if you go to the, if you go to the supermarket and you look at the increase in prices, I mean, it's, it, the world is different than it was five, four years ago. Five years ago. And the team, obviously, is it factors in as well. But, I mean, like, the Jets have done fine. I mean, look, they, the, the Jets, as a as an organization, have a responsibility. I mean, they're, they're, now, I'll get to the Jets element of it. The Jets are responsible for putting a product that's worth watching. I think that their entertainment needs to be changed a little bit. And I think that they can't take... Look, guys, the Jets sent out to their season ticket holders the most ridiculous season ticket holder prize ever it was like an adam lowry recipe and a flimsy barbecue apron that they shouldn't have sent out i mean it was embarrassing to be honest with you so like you send that stuff and, and you're seeing like in nashville they send their season ticket holders uh, a jersey with like a visa that they can use so they don't even need to bring money and they can just scan it and then it goes chart gets charging at their thing so i think the jets are responsible for some of the the malaise but I also think it's the economy. I think you have to be aware of, of the prices of everything going up and, and people hurting a little bit. So, I mean, it's not when you have to make cuts in, in 
your discretionary spending. It's not, well, I'm going to make it cut because I'm not going to have food for my kids. It's I'm not going to go to a hockey game. So I think, I think what you're seeing is some folks being a little tightening their belts a little bit, but I think it'll be fine. I think the economy will bounce back. And I think that fans will, will bounce back. And, and once the jets start to change things yeah. around, Drew, I think that'll be a little different. I, I you know, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think, I think that fans are smart here and they don't want to necessarily support a team that they may not necessarily believe in. And so, you know, very, very uh, Missouri like show me state, you know, prove to me that I should spend my hard earned money and, and, and you're more than just a paper tiger. You know, they were sold out for the playoffs. If they hadn't been sold out for the playoffs, that would have been a larger red flag in my estimation, but they were sold out for the playoffs. And I think ultimately now that I think there was a lot of fatigue with the current with the team ha- as it had been constructed with Wheeler. I think people were done with Blake Wheeler with the drama with Dubois. I think people were done with it. I think people are, they want to see a team that works hard every night. And if they do, and if they see that and that team is successful, then the fans will respond in due course. So I don't think that it's going to be a long-term issue. I don't believe that there's any risk associated with the team's long term future in no. Or anything like that, and anyone who says things like that, I believe, is uh, fear mongering for the sake of making a, a splash and for the sake of making uh, you know popcorn headlines, as the expression goes. Question from Tom. Tom asks: The Jets are deeper up front now, but are they any better? Can they make a deep push in the playoffs with the current lineup? Good question from Tom. I would say right now the Jets' ceiling is probably the second round of the playoffs. I would say that would be where I think they would cap out at right now if the season were to start today and they, uh, you know, the, how far could they go? I think they could go to the second round of the playoffs, similar to what the Seattle Kraken did last year, getting to the second round of the playoffs after they upset the Colorado Avalanche in the first round. I mean, is that good enough? Well, I mean, you know, the, you know, it's, it's sort of a, uh, you know, uh, a, a double sorted, double edged question in that, yes, getting to the second round of the playoffs is good in that you've, you know, you, you've got fairly decently, you, you've had a fairly decent run, but if that's your ceiling when the season starts, isn't that also a little bit of, a, 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 of sour milk knowing that, you know, ultimately you're not really a contender for the Stanley cup. Now, if you're playing well and you can make some moves at the trade deadline, maybe that increases your ceiling. But right now, as constructed, Dave, I would say the Jets are, they would be, as far as they could go, would be the second round of the playoffs in my estimation. Well, I mean, look, as I, I'm not going to start making predictions because I ripped on everybody's predictions, what well, the value of predictions last, last week during the show. So I think, I think like, look, I think the Jets are a deeper team and I think that they're going to be a defensively better team. And I think if Connor Hellebuck, you know, they have Lauren Brassois in net. And if Lauren Brassois can play the way Lauren Brassois played last year and stay healthy, I think the Jets are a better team. There's no question. I, I was not a David Riddich fan for the entirety of last year. I didn't think he was, I thought he was okay. I thought when the Jets were playing a bit of a different style, uh, it helped him out, but I didn't think he was the answer in net. I think Lauren Brassois, like I said, he was, I think, undefeated in regulation towards the end of the season. Obviously did very five and two in the playoffs until he got hurt against the Oilers. But I think that they're a deeper team. Again, let's go on the premise that Hellebuck is in net and Brassois is your backup, and you've got this team as it's currently constructed. Um, yeah, I, I do think that they're 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 a deeper team. I think they're a better defensive team. So I don't think that 
it's going to be a, uh, a, I don't think that I'm going to put a limitation on them and say they can only get to the second round. I just think that it's a, uh, I think they're a deeper team. I think they may not score as many goals, but if, if Hellbuck's not facing as many quality shots and you're limiting those high danger chances because you've got forwards who actually play defense, crazy notion, then then yeah, maybe Kyle Connor doesn't hit 50 and maybe Mark Shevley doesn't hit 40. But but ultimately, you're going to have a, a more competitive team and and maybe maybe you do do something that Jay Fresh suggested, which is win six more games because you're a better defensive team. Might not be as exciting to watch, but let me tell you, if folks see a team playing in it with effort uh, every night, as you've said, Drew, uh, that'll go a long way. Yeah, it, it certainly will go a long way, and I think it'll be, you know, it'll be very interesting. I think it's going to be, uh, we've talked about it, it's certainly going to be an interesting season for the Winnipeg Jets, especially early on. Uh, Ian wants to know if I'm really that much shorter than Murat. <laughs> and the, what he's referencing is the photo on social media from a couple weeks ago where uh, Murat and I, uh, I, I waved at Murat. I was able to acknowledge him publicly, which was a, uh, a big step in the right direction after my faux pas that has been thrown my way over the last number of months. Uh, Ian, I, I think the photo, I'm definitely shorter than Murat. I know it's hard to believe uh, that I'm not as tall and statuesque as I may look like on this program. But uh, I'm definitely shorter than Murat. Thank you, Spence. He calling me a cute little chicken dumpling. That's uh, really one of the nicest things anyone has ever said to me, I'll be honest. Um, but uh, I don't believe I'm as short as the photo seemed uh, to uh, reflect. I think that was a bit of a camera trick being played. But I'm definitely not as tall as Murat. Uh, and I do not have uh, as good of a beard as Murat does, despite having a beard uh, myself. But uh, Dave, you can uh, either back me up or, or reject my my argument here. Dave's giving me the thumbs up. Uh, I mean, I think, the... I think, I think, I, I don't know, dear. I'm, I'm not. I can't check your hockey DB page to know that, uh, you know, what, what, what it is in terms of what Murat comes in at and what you come in at. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I think it's more just a function of whether, um, you know, whether Murat is. Uh, I, it did look like he was standing on a on a curb and you were standing below him, so it was giving him a few extra inches there, Drew. Yeah, Marco is asking about Jansen Harkins. You know, we know that last year was probably a frustrating year for Jansen Harkins. He mm. asked for a trade at, at a point in time, uh, which was mentioned. Who doesn't? Yeah, I mean, apparently everybody asked for a trade. That You know, it really does go to show you just how often players are asking for trades and how often general managers are just swatting them away. Like, you know, go away with your trade demand. I have more important things to worry about uh, than, than your request. You have no leverage. Get Logan out. Stanley, Jansen Harkins, etc. Uh, but he went to the Moose, and he was great for the Moose. You can speak to what he, how he played for the Manitoba Moose, and what does that mean for him moving forward with this Winnipeg Jets organization? Yeah, I mean, look, he scored 25 goals, 25 assists, 50 points in 44 games for the Manitoba Moose. He was he was sensational. I mean, I think every single night he had his his full head in it. But the fact of the matter is, he he went down there to Manitoba and he played played hard for that team. And look. I think that Harkins is in a tough position because I think Jansen Harkins needs to be in an elevated role for him to have success. He needs mm -hmm. to play in a, you know, second line wing role. And I know it's not likely to happen, but I mean, again, we'll go back to the bubble in Calgary or in Edmonton, sorry, when he played with Blake Wheeler and he's, he is a good facilitator and he's got a good shot. The only question for him is sometimes you watch, and I've had some scouts talk to me about what he does defensively and why he, it's hard for him to make, that transition to the NHL because of some of the mistakes he makes in, in the AHL, you watch him do some things and you're like, okay, you know, maybe that is what's holding him back from, from jumping to that NHL level. But, uh, 
you know, I mean, look, I, I think that, you know, Drew, it's a word we've been using a lot, opportunity. I think there's an absolutely an opportunity for Jansen Harkins to, look, I, I think that Jansen Harkins thought he was going to go in the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. We had, obviously, Weber reporting that in advance of same, that right. he there was some there was some thought that Jansen Harkins would be part of the package. He wasn't ultimately. And so, look, he'll be having an opportunity to crack this team. And if he, if he can make it, it's on Jansen Harkins. Like, he's got to take, follow up a really good AHL season, have a very good summer. And then, you know, do something like Logan Stanley did a few years back, which is have training camp nobody, I, you know, I, nobody expected and make the team and look like you deserve to be there. And maybe that's what Jansen Harkins can do uh, this summer. But this this really is probably his last shot with his organization because ultimately if he does get put on waivers, he's going to get claimed. Guy Wild asking a question about the captaincy. I think we talked about this with Jeff Hamilton last week uh, when Hammer joined us. Uh, will the Jets name a captain this season or will it be a share the load uh, approach again this year? What do you think? Do you think we're going to see a captain this year or do you think it's going to be another one where it's uh, you know a multiple rotation of A's throughout the course of the season? No, I think this year they, they announced it. And and again, I'm of the opinion that it'll be, I, I thought it should have been Josh Morrissey because he signed here the longest, I think of his temperament. But I also, you know, Jeff made a very good point as to why Adam Lowry would be the next captain of the Winnipeg Jets. So it's, to me, it's it's Lowry or Morrissey. And I think he gets na- they get named it during training camp. Okay, this one's a good one coming from Andrew Haleko. Uh, occasionally... There is people allude to Dave M's hockey chops, your skill set on the ice. Dave, what level of hockey did you make it to and with which illustrious hockey teams? Not none really. I didn't really play much <laughs> hockey, to be honest with you. And we're we're we were a religious family growing up, and my dad didn't like uh, let me us do things on Saturdays. Dave didn't that, Dave didn't roll on Shabbos like the I big Lebowski. I didn't roll on the Shabbos. So because of that, I didn't get a lot. To, I, I played baseball mostly, to be honest with you. I played baseball and soccer. I played summer sports. So uh, I didn't really play a lot of hockey growing up. I mean, I played a ton of hockey uh, recreationally, but I didn't uh, play on any teams of significance because of uh, of the Sabbath. So. As a result, I, I don't, I can't pretend like I have any hockey chops other than playing rec hockey with, uh, uh, you know, I, I played almost every day on the rinks, uh, but it was more of a, a street ball sort of thing than than any sort of formal hockey. Dave's just being humble. He was once a dominant player in the Jewish men's hockey league uh, back in the very shifley esque in that he was allergic to the defensive zone uh, and, and, but was always ready for a breakout pass to try and uh, pad those stats. So Dave M is just being humble about his silky soft hands when it came to uh, the goal scorers touch right around the net. That was a good question. Uh, I, Dave didn't like the question, but I enjoyed it. So that made it funny from my perspective. Uh, let's keep going with some more questions here on the AMA in bones. We trust what changes need to happen on defense before the season begins. So that's a big uh, uncertainty this off season. It's been a topic of conversation. Something people expected was to see some churning of players on the back end for the Winnipeg jets. The two most, uh, you know, the names with the biggest spotlights on them would be, I'd say, uh, Nate Schmidt and Neil Pionk, because both those players, uh, I think, left a lot to be desired in their performance last year. And then we also know the situations with Declan Chisholm and the situation with Billy Hainala. Ch- Chisholm, non-waiver exempt. Hainala, still waiver exempt. What changes do you think need to happen on defense before the season begins, Dave. And do you think any of those changes will occur? 
Well, no, I don't think there's going to be any changes on the defense, to be honest with you. I think that the Jets... Uh, look, Nate Schmidt was fine when he was paired with Dylan Sandberg. They actually had good numbers. I believe their advanced stats were 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 were, were pretty significant. Not like amazing, but they were they were good. They were they were definitely above uh, above water. And so I think if you compare Nate Schmidt with Sandberg, who we you know is an up and coming, and you know obviously has this new deal, then that's that that might not be a bad thing. The the number one linchpin. Let's assume Josh Morsey drops back down to earth. He doesn't have a seventy. What do you have? Seventy seven point season, whatever it was. Like mm-hmm. on the presumption that, that Josh Morrissey doesn't have quite the same offensive season, you know, I, I really think that the number one factor is is Neil Pionk. You need Neil Pionk to play like Neil Pionk can play because he didn't when, do it once upon a time he played at the very least. That's right. You know, and so so for, for me, the biggest question mark, because you're presuming that you've got those six as your, you know, DeMello and Morrissey, Pionk and Dylan, Schmidt and Sandberg. Okay, so you've got those six. Mm-hmm. I think Chisholm is, you know, I don't think they're going to risk him on the waiver again because I think he gets, like Kovacevic, I should say. Of course say. he gets claimed. Young, gets, young defensemen who have upside get claimed. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and not only that, he's a, he's as good a skater as anybody on this team. Um, right. And he's got good offensive ability. He knows his, you know, he understands defensive responsibilities. He picked that up a little bit last year. So, so I mean, look, he was an AHL All-Star. I, I just don't think that you're going to lose. You're not, you're not going to, some team is going to take a chance on him. You know, I mean, he obviously doesn't have a contract right now. He's one of the three RFAs still without a contract, along with Logan Stanley and Rasmus Kampari. But if uh, ultimately they're going to get a deal, whether it's a one or two year deal signed with the Jets sometime in the next month. And ultimately, uh, you're going to have to protect that asset and see what he can do. And then he knows we talked to him at the end of the season, uh, Moose Roundtable. He spoke about, you know, his you know, his challenge this summer, similar to Billy Hainola did at the end of the season. These guys are determined. And I will say like, there was no excuses. These guys want to earn a role. Now, Billy Hainola, and unfortunately for him, his, his waiver status is working against him. So he, unless he has an insane, an an insane summer, I mean, he, he's most likely going to be a moose player. And let me tell you for the record, amazing. Sorry for interrupting Dave. Isn't it amazing that he's still waiver exempt? Doesn't it seem like he's been with the jets or the moose for like a decade already? No, it is. It is. It, well, because you got to remember, he came in that first year and made such an yeah. impact playing all those games. So, so you, you're expecting, you know, Billy Hainola to, you're right, Drew. It feels like he's played for the Jets forever or in the organization. But um, no, look, I, I think that, I don't think the defense is going to be changed before the season. That doesn't seem to be the MO of this organization to operate in that manner. So I think that you're going to have to figure things out. They're going to have to figure out what the hell they're going to do with Logan Stanley, you know, because you're, I mean, are you going to keep him again? I mean, sure, you got Kyle Capobianco again, but I, I have to think they put him on waivers uh, ahead of Stanley or Chisholm. But I mean, again, I, I've been wrong because I didn't thought think, that last year too. I would have thought that with Kovacevic last year and look what Kovacevic has been able to do. And Kovacevic, I mean, again, I'm not going to sit here and lament what, you know, a right shot big guy who can skate would do for this Jets team. But, you know. A lot is the answer is what it would. I mean, that was just roster mismanagement. I mean, that was roster mismanagement when it happened at the time we said it as such. And we, yeah. you know, there's been no reason to think any differently of it, that it continues to be uh, just, roster mismanagement that never made that never made any sense from my perspective. Sorry, just to round it out, because I see Marco in the chat saying we need to give Chisholm and Tyrell, Tyrell Bauer a chance rather than bury them in the minors. Tyrell Bauer, I guess, Marco, would still be uh, a man at Mur- the Manitoba Moose next year. He did, though, both... Um, uh, assistant GM of the Jets and GM of the Jets, Craig Heisinger and Mark Morrison both mentioned Tyrell Bauer though as having a big impact, big right shot guy, no fear, 
uh, as he liked to say at development camp, no fear in his game, but I don't know that he's necessarily ready to make the jump to the NHL next year. Right. Uh, he'll be on the radar, but I think another year of the, uh, with the moose will do wonders for him, but he's a he second is, year. Like he's what a second, this is a second, only year, a second pro? year pro. Yeah. yeah. So he's not, I mean, nobody would expect Tyrell Bauer wouldn't expect that he'd be at the NHL level. At, well, at this I mean, point in time. the only thing I'll say though, is that jets don't have a ton of, of depth on the, on the right. right side of their, of their prospect pool. So, I mean, you're, you are, he's not, he's not an incomplete factor, Drew, but you know, again, you've got him and Simon Lonmark who are the kind of the right side D prospects. Right, but you know, uh, but truthfully, if you're looking at somebody's typical development path, no, for sure, you know, for sure, a full another full year at the AHL would would not be a surprise, would not be you know, uh, would not be a disappointment in the in the Bauer camp. No. Uh, you know, I've talked on, to, I've talked to folks, and f- folks think that he's he's got potential, and 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 I I think he look, he's a smart guy, he's a nice kid, he's he's a good hockey player, and uh, let me tell you, he'll add a level of toughness that this that this team doesn't doesn't have a ton of so uh we saw it last year he you know he got in some big fights uh defended his teammates he's the kind of guy everybody loves to be around whether it's on the ice or off the ice so uh bauer bauer is definitely a guy if he can if he can make the jump and eric dubois talked about it there's the thing elements on his game that he's gonna have to work on but if he can get those elements he he could be someone that you want to pay attention to in the few years right and for a guy who is a sixth round pick it's found money Absolutely. I mean, you know, that that's what you're talking about when you when you can, you know, throw a dart because that's what, you know, the late round drafting largely is, is you're throwing mm-hmm. a dart and that guy can potentially develop into uh, an NHL player. Uh, well, then that's just an absolute bonus. But again, let's let's just temper our expectations for a guy who's entering his second year as a, as a pro to, you know, to immediately slot him into the uh, big club would be a, a would be an unusual path. Uh, that quickly, you know, for a guy who's that late of a draft pick. True, but I will say it. I, I mean, it was funny, Drew, because I was talking about it with uh, someone. Here we go. This so someone was talking about the moose, and I said, well, you know, next year you're going to be able. This is who you're going to be able to watch on the moose. Okay, Jets prospects, not necessarily all at once. Brad Lambert, 2022 first rounder. Daniel Torgerson, 2020 second rounder. Henry Nickenen, 2019 fourth rounder. Danny Zilkin, 2022 third rounder. Mm-hmm. Chaz Lucius, 2021 first rounder. Nikita Chibrikov. 2021 second rounder. That's the forwards, six of them. Billy Hainola, 2019 first rounder. Simon Lundmark, 2019 second rounder. Tyrell Bauer, as you just said, 2020 sixth rounder. Dimitri Kuzman, he's a fun little skater. 2020 third rounder. And Thomas Millich, 2022, 2023, sorry, fifth rounder. So folks, next year, 10 of those players on the Manitoba Moose could be Jets prospects to watch. So it'll be a lot of fun watching the Moose next season. Right. And, and it's just the next wave of prospects is, is coming through, you know, that they've graduated out of the out of the OHL or, or Canadian Hockey League, whatever league they may have been in. And now that they can sort of grow together at the moose level before they're ready to knock down, the, you know, break through the glass ceiling and become regulars for the Winnipeg Jets. So this is a good thing that this next crop of talent, this next wave of talent is coming through, uh, mm. which, you know. Again, you know, it's just sort of why I think there's an element of why the Jets said they don't need to go scorched earth on a rebuild situation is a lot of those young prospects mm-hmm. who are regarded, you know, they're, they're regarded as talented you know, players are, are, are ready or very close to ready in the next year or two to come through and, and begin their, their NHL journey. So I think that is part of the thinking, whether or not it's right or wrong or the correct course of action. 
is, is up for debate. But I think that's why the Jets said that they don't necessarily need to go scorched earth on a rebuild is that they have a whole bunch of young prospects who are knocking on the door who might then move up to the NHL level. And you don't want to have those players exposed necessarily. You don't want those players coming in without any veteran bubble around them to shield them because it certainly is, as we've seen, every NA, every rookie that breaks into a, a lineup. you know, And we saw it for years with... Nikolai Ehlers and Kyle Connor and Mark Schaefer. You remember, it, it took them a while. It takes them 30, 40 games as regulars before mm-hmm. something clicks, and then they're all sort of able to see the game go. And for some of them, they have never clicked. Maybe Christian Veslein had never clicked for him, you yeah. know, for whatever reason. But you remember, I mean, the game with Ehlers in particular, I think it was the game in Madison Square Garden in his rookie year where he either had a goal or two goals. And I remember one of the goals was a bar-down slap shot from maybe – uh, the top of the circle, uh, beating, I think it was Lungfist back then. I'm going way back now, so my brain doesn't work that well. And for me, that was the moment when it clicked for him. So again, mm-hmm. you want the, you want those guys to be in your NH, in your lineup, but they will need to be insulated by veterans rather than assume they're ready to just step in and, and have a team of rookies leading, leading the charge. Break number two, one hour to go. AMA, ask Manuk, Mindell, anything it's the season finale of the Legal Curve Hockey Show. Keep your questions coming. Keep your comments coming. We're answering whatever is on your mind. Our number two up next. Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. Rumors, Canada's longest-running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, John Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party. Even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com. Hi, Ez. A strange question for you. But why are you lying on the ground being crushed by a piano? Well, Drew, I definitely tried to carry this baby grand piano down the stairs by myself, and somehow I failed miserably. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that was a silly question on my part. My apologies. Would you like me to call Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage to help you move the piano? They are the most experienced piano moving company in Winnipeg, after all. Yes, please call Rollies and hurry. This piano is very, very heavy. Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage offers stress-free residential moving services while taking great care of your personal belongings, including your piano. At Rollies, no job is too big or too small. For more information, visit Rollies.com. Hi, it's Drew from Illegal Curve here. Selling your home can be stressful, but it wasn't for me. Thanks to my friends at Zapia Group Realty, they made the process so easy. My home sold within 48 hours and with multiple offers. Zapia Group Realty took care of everything with their exquisite customer service and attention to detail. If you want to sell your home for more in less time, get started by talking to Frank and Mauro Zapia of Zapia Group Realty. Online at zapiagroup.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center, and they whitened my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go, We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs, from restorative to cosmetic dentistry, and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com. 
Boston Pizza harnessed Fanalytics to help optimize no-look dipping. Ooh, making adjustments? So you can stay focused on the game. The playoffs of Boston Pizza, powered by Fanalytics. Hour number two of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now on this Saturday morning. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, one final hour before the summer hiatus begins. What do you have planned? Anything exciting? I know you're going to be exploring MB. That's what, you know, Kenny, Kenny's got the MB golf tour. Yeah. David likes to explore Manitoba. Any, any destinations, any trips planned where people can maybe find you hiking through some sort of, you know, lesser known waterfall in Manitoba and somebody will be able to spot you saying, Hey, is that Dave Manuk from a legal curve hockey show? Well, let's hope. Let's hope. If I, if you do see me, please say hello. I will most likely be at the Interlake quite a bit. Uh, my parents have a cottage up there, so I'll be going up, up that way uh, in August. Uh, so if you're going to be there for August long, there's probably a good chance you'll see me at uh, Icelandic Fest, uh, enjoying myself in Gimli. Uh, I will also attempt to get to Little Limestone Lake this uh, this late July or August because it is a Manitoba marvel. Where is uh, Marl- for, for those well, of us who don't know yours truly? What well, five, four and a half, five hours, four and a half to five hours due north along Highway Six. It is a uh, Marl M A R L lake that so it turns aqua blue. It literally as it the as the temperature heats up uh, in Manitoba, it it actually looks like you're in the Caribbean. It's actually incredible. It's and I believe it's one of the most. I think it's the most significant um, Marl lake in the world. So we have that here in Manitoba. And I've never been. I've, it's actually what started me on my uh, Explore MB journey when I learned about it once. Uh, and I, yeah, exactly. As James is saying, they've always wanted to see it. So maybe I should lead a tour for uh, five and a half hours. We'll talk about a legal curve, talk about the Jets, the Moose, anything you want to talk about. And uh, maybe I'll rent a bus and we can do that. But yeah, I definitely want to check out Little Limestone Lake, you know, Steep Rock. We'll get up to Duck Mountains, maybe uh, Riding Mountain, Turtle Mountains, so many White Shell, of course. So, so many places to see and do. Uh, uh, fishing, of course, uh, I'll do a lot of that and hiking. So I'll be, I'll be busy this summer rushing river. Technically it's in Ontario, but you know, that's uh, that's also a good spot to hit too. There you go. Dave. How's there right now? I love it. Kyle, Kyle, I was in uh, rushing river watching yeah. us, listening to us from rushing river. So that is uh that's wonderful. We always appreciate that kind of support. And yes, wherever you never know where Dave M is going to turn up. Uh, so be sure to uh, say hi to him and uh, maybe Drew and I will bump say- into each other in uh riding mountain. It's true. We ran into each other in, uh, in Wasagaming. Uh, was that last year or two summers ago? I think it was two summers ago. Two summers ago. We Coincidentally, were both... both wearing the exact same shirt. <laughs> that's right. We were both wearing Illegal Curve shirts uh, and wandered and ran into each other. So that's always nice. And yeah, so if you ever see us out and about, please come up and say hello. We are friendly. I myself am actually quite friendly. A little socially awkward, uh, but quite friendly. So uh, come and say hello. Despite my, on occasion, curmudgeonly approach on this program or on the post-game show, uh, more specifically, uh, come check us out. Come say hi. And of course, look at that. The Dolphin Rail. I did not know that a rail museum can talk, but a rail museum is talking. And if you're in the Dolphin area, uh, come check out the uh, Dolphin Rail Museum. There's a little plug there. Thanks for joining us on this Saturday morning of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show AMA. Uh, Bailey's mom wants to know what she should do with Bailey for the rest of the summer. Now that we're not going to have a show for the next five weeks. Uh, so I, my kids are still young enough that they want to spend uh, time with me. 
uh, for the most part. They're they still they're not uh, you know petulant teenagers. Although I must say Bailey does not seem the least bit petulant, so that is uh, nice to see. Maybe teenagers are getting a bad rap, and they're uh, and they're less surly than uh, than I've been told based on uh, pop culture. So Amy, I'm not sure what you're going to do with Bailey, but I hope you all had a great time at, in Toronto and at the Hockey Hall of Fame and all that jazz. I'm sure I'm confident that the five weeks will fly by and you guys will be back here joining us on Saturday morning to talk about the Winnipeg Jets and everything else that is under the sun. Uh, what other question we have in bones? We trust he wants to know about Nikolai Ehlers and the injury situation. Cause this is a big, I think wild card for the Winnipeg Jets, Dave, because Nikolai Ehlers is a, a huge linchpin to this team's success. And he does seem to have been bitten by the injury bug the last couple of years. Now, obviously we can't predict if he's going to get injured or not. But what we can talk about is the impact Nic- a healthy, a fully healthy Nikolai Ehlers can have on the Jets moving forward next year. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it. We've, we've talked about, especially now that there's no Blake Wheeler standing in his way mm-hmm. in terms of power play opportunities. And no Paul Maurice trying to convince folks that, you know, maybe only playing him 14 minutes a game instead of 17 to 19 minutes a game or over that 20 mark would be a good thing. And that's, you know, the reason why he was having success is because of that. So I I think that there's a um, opportunity for Nikolai Ehlers to be, you know, that first line winger that the Jets need him to be and that he's capable of being. And I think that, you know, there's going to be an added responsibility to him, but, or for him, but I think that he's more than capable of of handling it. It's just, again, it's a great question from in bones because we don't know if he can stay healthy. And that has been the, the, bugaboo of of Nikolai Ehlers the last few seasons and and if he can then yeah he definitely adds an element that this team is going to need and if they're going to want to have success both in the regular season and in the playoffs Nikolai Ehlers will be a big factor in his thing his health will be ultimately because we know what he can do when he's healthy so if he's healthy that's that'll be a huge thing for the Winnipeg Jets and maybe that requires him to change his style a little bit you know because I mean I can't tell you how many times like Nikolai Ehlers plays hockey sometimes like he, like a soccer game. You watch him and he's on the ice and he's waiting for a call. It's like, Nikolai, you got to get up. Get up. <laughs> and, you know, don't, don't necessarily put yourself in those positions. So we'll see what he can do. Yeah, you know, Nikolai Ehlers is, is certainly going to be – he's a huge factor for the Winnipeg Jets, as Dave alluded to and as we've talked about over the years. When he's healthy, he is one of the most dynamic players. Uh, and, and he brings a different skill set than a lot of the other players that the Winnipeg Jets have. He brings a unique skill set among a lot of players in the league. Just how the, the combination of speed and stick handling ability and just the, the way he backs off defenders, particularly, you know, we know that he's a zone entry machine. And so the Jets need him healthy and they need him playing close to 82 games uh you know, the, the next year for them to be at, you know, at their peak. And what you saw last year was a a fraction of Nikolai Ehlers. He was never fully healthy. You could see it that he was never able to get back to where he needed to be after the hernia surgery. And we'd heard that, you know, hernia surgeries are not something, you know, being back on, on the ice and playing in games and being at full strength are two very different things. And I think we saw that last year. And so you hope for an off season of health for Nikolai Ehlers and then a season of health and the impact that he, you know, because everyone last year had him pegged that if he'd been healthy, he was going to have a career year. Well, we know that that if did not come to fruition. So now the Jets need him to find a way to stay healthy, be in their lineup, and then watch 
uh, as he should be able to flourish in that role. So a very important year upcoming for Nikolai Ehlers and then how that impacts the Winnipeg Jets. As you've been able to tell, we've been sort of interspersing what I'll call serious questions with some humorous questions. Here is a humorous question from our good friend Kenny's Water Bottle. If a train leaves Winnipeg going south at 120 kilometers per hour and another train leaves Chicago at the same time traveling at 130 kilometers an hour, and I presume the train from Chicago is going north, but Kenny doesn't you know, specify on that front, he wants to know what is my usual go-to meal after the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Very relevant. You can see how the two things come together and make for a relevant question. Um, I'm going to assume, Kenny that you're talking about the post-game show, because I've already had breakfast. Saturday mornings in the uh, in the Mendel household, uh, they, they depend on the week. They alternate between being pancakes or French toast. So I eat before the show starts. That's why I have the energy to get through the couple of hours. Otherwise, my tummy would be grumbling, and nobody wants to see curmudgeonly and hangry Drew. That's a very dangerous combination when put together. So I'll assume you're talking about the post-game show's and generally speaking, I don't eat after the post-game shows. There has been occasion where if my weakness, salt and vinegar chips, is on the counter, then I've been known to stand over the sink and shovel those chips into my mouth. But I try not to do that because generally the post-game shows end a little bit late. And I don't want to be the guy who's snacking at 1130 uh, you know, at night because that usually isn't great for the metabolism and it usually isn't great for the sleep. So I try not to do that. I try not to eat. Uh, after the show's end, but if I do have salt and vinegar chips, those are my weakness. So please do not send me salt and vinegar chips uh, because otherwise they will get devoured and I will feel a little bit worse off for doing so. So there you go. That is my eating habits because I'm sure everybody was desperately wondering that question, but thank you nonetheless. Uh, Kenny's water bottle. Interesting one from Matthew, Dave. I thought this one was isn't Jets related, but that's fine because we said it can be anything under the sun. I will yeah. notice nobody has asked us for any life advice or love advice just yet, which I think is a little interesting. But nonetheless, Matthew Thompson has, has a question about cap circumvention in the NHL in that how two of the last three teams to win the Stanley Cup had payrolls over $90 million. Mm-hmm. And of course, what happens in the playoffs is there is no salary cap. So we know about, and, and, and yes, you know, I saw Matthew's using the word caps or convention. Another, you know, person is using the word, uh, you know, just sort of using the rules the way they're designed. I don't fully understand why the rules are designed in this way. Mm-hmm. Why does the salary cap go away? You know, you, you've got this level playing field for 82 games. Yeah. And then once the playoffs start, well, okay, the playing field doesn't have to be level anymore. And it's clearly cap there's clearly players who are staying on IR until the playoffs begin. And then all of a sudden they're magically healed. I mean, we know Patrick Kane a number of years ago with the Blackhawks, uh, Nikita Kucherov, of course, with the lightning was a famous one a couple of years ago. So why does the NHL and Mark allow Stone this year, Mark Stone this year? Sure. All of a sudden he became, you know, he managed to overcome his crippling back. Injury. Oh, we don't have to trade a $6 million player. We can keep the entire lineup and then add a guy who's yeah. got $10 million worth of value. Amazing how that's able able to happen. And it's always on the same day on the, in the calendar or the same day in the in the NHL calendar when the playoffs begin. You know, I, for the life of me, I don't know why the NHL looks at at certain things and ignores them, and then looks at other things and enforces the rules. Uh, it, it, it to me, it's utterly bizarre and it doesn't make sense. But 
if you know what the rules are or how to cheat the system, then I go back to the quote from, I believe it's been attributed uh, most frequently uh, to uh, Richard Petty, I believe. The race car driver says, you know, if you're not cheating, you're not winning. So, you know what? Maybe every single team needs to get on that bandwagon and, and cheat their way vis-a-vis cap circumvention to to success because if the nhl is not willing to look is is willing to look the other way on it and is not willing to enforce the rules or is willing to uh you know you know you know, talk a big game but not actually do anything about it then you should want your own team to be cheating the system as much as possible as much as the other teams are doing now we of course you know if you're going to go based on what the nhl would say is that they have doctors who check this stuff out and and you know oversee it to make sure that this actually isn't you know them oh hey i'm not capable of doing it but again like i said i'm sure there's there's always ways you know people are always looking for ways around the rules and 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 really what's the what's the impact going to be is the nhl going to uh you know ban a team from playing like what is the what are the ramifications for for that sort of action so yeah, I mean, look, uh, it's, there's no question that this stuff happens. And it's like, oh, you're ready to come back a week early? Let's just maybe rest you. We want to make sure and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I, I'm kind of with you, Drew. Like, I mean, to me, it doesn't really make a lot of sense why you enforce a rule for 100% of your regular season. <laughs> yeah. And then you completely eliminate it from the playoffs. Because why? Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you shouldn't be allowed to have all of those guys available, right? you know, in, in a, to a certain degree. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, and that's the problem, right? Like, obviously, the reason why it is is that when you have your black aces and you have, you know, all of those guys up with the big club, essentially they're 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 available because if you have injuries, you want to be able, you don't want to got NHL teams to be playing playoffs. So we know the real, we know the reason why the NHL does it, right. but it does allow for this, and I understand why people are frustrated by it. You know, it's it's a it's a fair it's a fair point because, you know, if you have a team that is compliant, that is within that, you know, $82 million approximately, and then you're playing up against a team. I mean, you think about it, you had two, $4 million guys or one $8 million guy. How big an impact is that going to have on the team in the playoffs? It's a significant one. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely reason for, for people to be upset because it's, it is a circumvention. It's, it, it's not a circumvention of the rules because it falls within the rules, but it's a frustration I can understand that fans experience. Very much so. It, you know, and it's bizarre. Like, you know, the Leafs put Matt Murray on LTIR, uh, you know, earlier this week. I think it was this week. Maybe it was late last week at this point in time. I mean, you know, I, I, look, I don't doubt that Matt Murray is injured to some extent. But the fact that he's going to likely spend, I would expect that he's going to spend the entirety of the season on LTIR you know, and, and nobody's going to bat an eye about it or that what the Leafs did with, if you go want to go way back with Stefan Robidal, remember Robidal Island, where they just basically said, we're going to pay you your money, you're going to go away and nobody's going to look anything more about it, you know, if it's actually legitimate or not, tells you that the, the, the you know, that the, the, there's a rigging going on, that the NHL is, you know, very selective when they enforce rules versus when they don't enforce rules. If you want to go way back when, remember Mike Richards on the LA Kings, when he had that terrible contract and he was a shell of himself as a player. And then all of a sudden, magically he had, there was that, whatever it was, I believe at the border, if I'm not mistaken. And all of a sudden that was the catalyst for his contract, just going away. And the, the cap hit no longer being a factor for the LA Kings. It's like, just peel back the layers of the onion that the NHL is just a little bit, and you'll find out just how quickly the uh, the onion is rotten or the rules can be changed 
to benefit different teams when it suits their when it suits the league and when it suits the team's needs. So you know, there's all sorts of uh, uh, of shenanigans going on that the NHL would rather you not know about and would rather you not think about uh, on the regular basis. Uh, let's see what else we can ask. Uh, here on this AMA edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Prime Timer wants to know, will he find love? I'm assuming he, I shouldn't assume he, will they find love this year? Well, Prime Timer, I don't know you, but I'm going to say yes, you will. It's incumbent on you to look deep within yourself and answer the questions as to why love has been eluding you thus far. And I don't think that's uh, fair. What's that? Why Why are you assuming that love has eluded him? Or... Dude, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know. I was like, honestly, like, I'm like, I'm like. <laughs> Nobody should be out. I mean, I'm amazed. Oh, that prime I... timer is a he, he says. Okay, prime timer is a he. Okay, well, I have faith in you, prime timer. And I do think you will find love this year. And very, very well, maybe a love with bonding over the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. And the Illegal Curve post-game show. Maybe that special someone is someone in the chat or someone that you're going to bring forth into the chat. And that's going to be the thing that, you know, the ties that bind you together. But I do have faith in you because I think that you're going to be able to climb the mountain of love necessary and wrap your arms around whatever it has been that's been eluding you. And you're going to find love this year. I'm not going to call it a Ginsburg guarantee because that means you won't find love. But I'm going to say that it is a Mendel-approved philosophy that you, Prime Timer, will find love. Even if it's from Spency, because Spency loves us all, and we love you all too, everybody. But Prime Timer will find love this year. And I am, yes, Dr. Drew. Maybe I should bill myself as that. Is there is there another Dr. Drew? I don't think there has been one. Has there been? What do you mean? You're joking. I'm joking. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I'm like I couldn't tell if there was sarcasm there, Drew. I was like, what's going on? Yes, Sorry, Dr. I stopped Drew. listening to you when you when you went into your little soliloquy. I was like, oh god, I'll just uh, I'll I'll just start thinking about what I'm going to do later. <laughs> Doctor Drew, uh, Doctor Drew Pinsky meets Doctor Drew Mendel here on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. It's AMA can go off the rails. We we told you this before. It, it so can the Illegal Curve Hockey Show and the Illegal Curve Post Game Show. Yeah, that's right. Everything can quickly go off the rails here, but that's part of the fun. We this there's a reason we only do this once a year, folks. If we did this any more often, people would be questioning our sanity and probably questioning your sanity for tuning into this. I'm trying to make I'm trying I'm trying to make a dolphin rail joke right now, Drew. But uh, I'll keep it. I'll keep I'll keep my jokes. I'll let rumors make the jokes. I won't make them uh, here. There you go, Nate Craig at Rumors tonight, seven fifteen and nine forty five. If you're looking for something to do, and you are in uh, in and around the city of Winnipeg, but that also leads us to a good segue. Thank you for mentioning Rumors, there, Dave. We have to pay shout out to all of our sponsors because, really, as you good folks know, this show is possible thanks to your continued tuning in and your continued viewership and also the support of our sponsors. And without them, uh, you know, we don't know that this show would necessarily be able to exist in the fashion that it does. So please support these businesses because of their continued support. I say that each and every week, but our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, Linden Market Dental Center, Zapia Group Realty, Betway, of course, title sponsor of the Illegal Curve Post Game Show, Tough Duck, Boston Pizza. We had a meeting, just a little preview, folks. We had a meeting Dave, Ezzy, and I, uh, earlier this week, and one of the topics of conversation at the meeting was the live-on-location watch parties and post-game shows that are going to be happening at Boston Pizza this coming season. So 
we're circling the dates on the calendar. We're just trying to coordinate everything, finalizing all the details. But we will be live at Boston Pizza at various times throughout the 2023-2024 season. We're going to be hosting some Jets watch parties, live broadcasts of the post-game show. So stay tuned for that information and be sure to join us at Boston Pizza during the 23-24 Winnipeg Jets season. Our friends at Seagram's, we know how thirsty we get, particularly on some of those post-game shows. Look, I still got my miniature bottle of uh, Fireball right here. So uh, probably not going to take a swig of that right now. It's 1025 in the morning, and you people are probably concerned enough about me without needing to uh, stage that intervention. Uh, our friends at Rolly's Transfer and Grid Park. I used Grid Park yesterday. Last night, I was out at the uh, arena. I was uh, there for the opening ceremonies of the uh, World Police and Fire Games. And so that was, you know, I don't want to get into the politics of it all because that's not why we're here. But it was impressive to see all those athletes representing their country proudly, marching into the arena with their flags waving and just the great vibe that was going on within the arena yesterday. Uh, And so I used Grid Park to park my car is where I was going with that. So big thank you to all of those sponsors for their continued support of Illegal Curve Hockey and, of course, the Illegal Curve post-game show. Another question, uh, this one coming from, where did it go? I had it right here, but uh, Stu Smith wants to know the futures of Stanley and Hainala with the Jets. He doesn't think either are going to consistently be in the lineup for the team. Um, I'll start with Stanley. I don't think that Logan Stanley's future is bright with the Winnipeg Jets at all. I'm not sure that... Much like Fetch, I don't think that it's it's going to become a thing. I don't think Logan Stanley is going to become a thing with the Winnipeg Jets anymore. I think his time has passed here. I just don't see any more growth in his game. In fact, I think his game is, is certainly it's it's receded, much like my hairline, since he had that really good season a couple of years ago. He hasn't been able to 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 capture that same season again. So I just don't think that Logan Stanley is going to still be a thing moving forward or somebody the Jets should be counting on moving forward with this team. He still might be on the team because the team isn't under any obligation to move him, but I do think he's probably more earmarked for a role in the press box than he is as a regular on the Winnipeg Jets, Dave. Yeah, and he had bad luck last year, right? I mean, he got injured in, what was it, November, came back from that injury and then got injured again uh, shortly thereafter. So, I mean, it was a, a frustrating season. He did, I think, did he make, he made one playoff game, I think, uh, as well for the Jets, he came in, but I mean, ultimately Logan Stanley's opportunity was there. And like I said, he made a jump that nobody expected him to make in the summer, uh, in that summer of training after the COVID season. And, and he was great and made the team and he looked like he deserved to be there. And then, you know, his game fell off a little bit. So, uh, you know, I think, I think he's had his shot. I mean, he's a 2016 draft pick. We're not talking about a guy who's, uh, you know, was drafted in the last five years even. So, right. 2016 is a long time away to to have a guy as a project. So my guess is that no, Logan Stanley's time is going to probably is time or opportunity, and I suspect he hopes so as well. Will come with another franchise and and for Billy Hainola, um, look, I, I'm I'm of the opinion I've I've a lot of time for Billy Hainola. I think he can he can do some things with the puck. And if the Jets are talking about having a different sort of format this year, maybe a guy who can make a good first pass and get that puck transitioned out of their zone quickly is the kind of player they want. Declan Chisholm, of course, another kind of guy who can do that, who's who's not going to hold on to the puck for too long and can make a very good first pass. So, I mean, I think I think it's about giving these guys opportunity. And again, like I said, if you want to insight it to Billy Hainola, 
go watch the uh, end of season moose media availability. You can watch it on legalcurve.com. You can watch it on the moose YouTube channel, but you didn't hear a guy who was going to make excuses. You didn't hear a guy who was looking for a handout. You heard a guy who was going to go home to Finland, work hard this summer and, uh, you know, force the jets to make a decision. So I know everybody wants to, to, to make grandiose statements as to what this guy is capable of doing. And, and look, we heard this with Josh Morrissey, like guys, I remember when Josh Morrissey was playing for the moose and yeah. he was a bust and Josh Morrissey is never going to do what the jets and Villanola for the record is bigger than Josh Morrissey. Josh Morrissey, six feet, Villanola six, one. So I know that everybody says Villanola is a small guy, but he's, he's the same size as Josh Morrissey. So the fact is, now you could say you can't win with that many small guys, fine. But I'm just saying that you've got a big guy in Brendan Dillon. You've got a big guy in Dylan Sandberg, who plays a bit of a nastier game. So you have a little bit of latitude. Now, of course, I've already described the whole left side. So can Hinola maybe switch <laughs> over? Maybe that's a different question. But I'm just saying that I am never quick to write guys off until I see what they can do consistently at the NHL level. Look, Dylan Sandberg wasn't the Jets, the most best defenseman in the playoffs Last, not last season, the season prior. Neither was Villanola for the record. Neither was Johnny Kovacevic. It was actually Declan Chisholm. But the fact of the matter is, I'm just saying that these guys, you have to give them the opportunity. Hainola did some really good things with the Manitoba Moose last season. There's no doubting that. I watched every single game. I can attest to it. And I'm just saying that I, I would be, I would be willing to give him a lot more latitude than some folks are. Folks are quick to write a guy off. I just don't think you want to write this kid off just yet. And we'll see if he gets that opportunity. Look, you don't know what happens. Guys can get injured in training camp. You know, Villanola could get a run of 10, 15 games because someone on the left side gets injured. I mean, we saw it, if you remember, look what happened to Dylan Sandberg two years ago where he and Johnny Kovacevic went in to, uh, on the first day of camp and Sandberg suffered that, uh, that, I think it was an ankle injury at the time. So, and he missed uh, a significant portion of the season. So things happen in training camp. Opportunities open themselves up and players can sometimes run with that. I think Hainola needs that runway to see some games. Uh, but I, I, if you're looking at either of those two players, Hainola is the player to spend more time focused on. I would agree with that. I, I think that, yeah, this, this, the, the team, the organization still has high hopes for Vili Hainola. Uh, if Logan Stanley, you know, ends up, uh, you know, finding his game again, like he'd had a few years ago, that would be what I would describe as an added bonus. But I don't think it's something that the team is counting on because it would go against basically the trajectory uh, of, of any player at, the, at that stage of his career. You know, if he was going to really, I know it takes defense a lot longer to develop and everything else, but I think that it's probably that his he's he's peaked at this point and, uh, you know, uh, his, his game is certainly plateauing, if not uh, diminishing as we move forward. One final commercial break, then we wrap up the 2023 edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show before we wrap up for the summer. Don't go anywhere, everyone. The last 30 minutes, it's going to be fun. AMA, Ask Mindell, Manuk, anything. Send in your comments. Speak now or forever hold your peace. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Well, for five weeks. Bottom of hour number two. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk with you on this Saturday morning. AMA. Ask Mandel, Manuk, anything. You have approximately 27 minutes to get your questions in. That said, if you all if you send us questions via email or you send us questions via Twitter or you send us questions uh, bum, via bum, DM, what do you bum, think? Bum. I, I can see, you know what? Boys, good morning. Drew, it's your worst nightmare. It is my worst nightmare. I do not agree with this at all. First of all, that is quite the banana yellow T-shirt you're wearing. Thank um, you very much. It was a present for my dad. 
Oh, well, shout out to John Ginsburg. Shout out to John Ginsburg. I, you know, I, I, I object wholeheartedly to the fact that you are here. I'll be perfectly blunt and be perfectly honest. As much as I love you, uh, you said you weren't going to be here. You cannot come back. I banned you from the YouTube chat by accident, for the record. That was not, I did not mean to ban you. I just meant to put you in timeout. But nonetheless, I guess people are excited to see you for some strange reason that I haven't quite uh, wrapped my brain around. Well, Drew, we have a lot to talk. I appreciate that, by the way. That was a very warm welcome. But uh, <laughs> we have a lot to talk about, including you going to see Barbie. Obviously, you can't say no to Laura. Let's be honest. That was Laura's pick all, all the way. Um, but I, I do want to know your review on, on, on Barbie, the movie. Um, but I also want to know how the show's been going. I've been, I've, you know, been listening a little bit. Both of my kids have pink eye. By the way, Drew, there's a bit of an eye drop shortage uh, in Winnipeg and, and Manitoba. So uh, just a heads up in case one of your kids has uh, pink eye, but both of my kids have pink eye, so I've been dealing with that. But so far, we've gone to the park, uh, Brock Horton Park. You know, we've had a nice McDonald's breakfast, and then we're going to go to Grand Park Mall a little bit later. I'm not sure if we're going we're gonna to be able to go to Bed Bath & Beyond. We might not have enough time, but uh, just wanted to jump in. And uh, it's the season finale, Drew. You got, you knew that I was going to pop on at some point. I, I didn't, in fact, know that. I'm not <laughs> sure I'm not sure where Naomi is right now that she's allowing you to do this. So that's usually, she must be. She's with the that. kids. The kids are riding their bikes. So I've got a, I told her I'm going to pop on for 15 minutes. Uh, and then I told her I'd make out with her, you know, later on today at some point to make up for it. Why is she getting punished twice? That would be my question. Uh, and thank you for the update about your children's pink eye. I think everybody was was definitely interested in the conjunctivitis situation. It's terrible. I'm sure your kids have had like first Ruben got it, and then like five yesterday I had to pick up Ariella from daycare because she had it. So uh, it's awful. But uh, obviously, you know, I didn't come on to talk about my kids' pink eye. I talk, I came on to talk to to IC Nation, and then just basically you know say goodbye until we're back in in September. I couldn't not be on the last show. Come on, guys. I'm pretty sure you weren't on the last show last year. I mean, I don't remember. It was a whole, you know, 12 months ago or, 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 or along those lines. But, I have uh, nothing better to do. Let's be honest. Okay. Hey, like, you can this, help is, this is where I need to be. I need to be, you know, here with you boys, be here with T. Kona Pauly, be here with Spencey Sutton, Phyllis Bailey, the intern, all of IC Nation, Donnie Boy, Frosty Winnipeg, Joe for Winnipeg. I mean, this is, this is home. This is my home away from home. Actually, I'm in my home. So it is in home. your home. Yeah, home away from home in your home. Exactly right. Well, what I was going to say before you made this cameo appearance is that uh, for, and Dave M is going to have this covered, I'm sure, thoroughly on the website, but there is some Jets prospects in action. The World Junior Summer Showcase uh, kicks off today. And there nobody's are- watching that, Drew, let's be honest. Dave yeah, is like- going to have the content on the website. I can promise you, given the dearth of actual content available, Dave M is going to be covering the the performances of Rutger, Rutger McGrory and Garrett Brown for Team USA and Why? Fabian Wagner and Elias Salomonson for Team Sweden thoroughly over the next uh, few days in the World Junior Summer Showcase. Both, all four of those players are going to be in action uh, during the World Junior Summer Showcase. So I wanted to mention that. Uh, that Dave M, I'm sure, will have that covered on the website. And even if he wasn't planning on having it covered, now he's obligated to have it covered as well. So you can thank me later for that, Dave. I would rather a review of uh, Nate Schmidt's performance in the Beauty League or CJ Cease's performance in the Beauty League as a. You know that the World Junior Summer Showcase, Dave, isn't the World Junior Hockey Championship, right? <laughs> I believe so. I believe I'm aware. Yes. Nonetheless, I thought Dave would at least would like to know. Thank you for thank you for raining on my parade here. Can I ask my question now? 
Sure, you can ask your question, yes. That's why I came on. You banned me from the chat. You banned my Gmail account from the chat, so I had to pop on live. You didn't know that Dave secretly sent me the link, Drew. You thought you were home free here, but um, first uh, first time caller, long time listener, obviously. And I, I wanted to ask you, this year, this February, actually, February 2024, is it going to be 15 years of the IC Hockey Show, Drew? So my question was, aside from your wedding... And aside from the birth of your two children, and you could throw in, you know, Sam's bris, ritual circumcision, if you want, has spending the last 14 and a half years with me been the highlight of your life? Well, you just said the words ritual circumcision. So I'm really not sure where I can go with that. Um, yes, it has been. As you, and I've spent many more years than just 14 and a half years with you. That's uh, uh, It's been many, many, many more years, many multiples of 14 and a half, probably, in fact. But yes, every minute that I do get to share with you, be it virtually on the screen or in person, like we were earlier this week, uh, is, is time. Great well- birthday party at uh, the beer can, by the way. If anybody hasn't checked out the beer can, that is a that is a spot to go. Oh, I saw you twice in person this week. Oh, I forgot about that. I saw you on Monday and Thursday. That's yeah. That's we had our little IC meeting. We always have a, a midsummer kind of uh, end of season meeting. So yeah, that's true. We did see each other twice. That's altogether too much. I gotta say, I thought that. Would you uh, go see Barbie again, and then we can see each other thrice? <laughs> I don't know that I would see Barbie again, but I did see Bring It On in the movie theater twice back in the day. That wow. was a good movie. Dave, you wanna you wanna take that one? I got nothing. Is that that's the movie where like they compete as cheerleaders against that's and right. it's like you haven't brought it or and there's like a controversy because they steal one of the routines, right? That's right. You yeah. got the plot, you got the plot line pretty good. I so Jude, was... I just want to get this clear. You yeah. went to see it a second time because you liked it so much, or there were like questions that you had, and who did you go see that movie with twice? <laughs> oh gosh. Uh some of my some of my the the guys I went to high school with, uh I think we were obviously there, needless to say, there were no women around us at all. There were there were no opportunities for dates or anything. This segment brought to you by horniness. <laughs> But I'm pretty sure that uh, uh, I don't remember exactly who I saw it with, and they may not me they may not like associating with me or me mentioning their names so that they're publicly associated with me. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, uh, it was uh, I enjoyed that. Movie. Was there a Doctor Goldenberg involved in that? I want to know that. I don't know. I really don't remember one way or the other. Which, which I know there were multiple. I know that there were people who became doctors with me, but I can't remember which of the doctors uh, w- would have been there with me. They actually went into med school immediately after seeing that movie for the second time. They're like, I don't know. I don't like the way my life is heading right now. I better get my my stuff together and get into med school. In in any event, yes, I did see that movie twice. I'm not going to see Barbie twice. Uh, movies were a lot cheaper back in the day. Uh, so I'm do they give look- you a Barbie doll when you walk into the theater to go see the movie? You they, they you do not. They do not give you one of those. I'm shocked that there wasn't more uh, merchandise readily available with seeing the movie. Uh, and Dave, but- obviously, Drew dyed his beard pink for the movie. I did. I dyed my hair pink. Uh, I did not wear pink. I wore my tie-dyed shirt. You guys remember the tie-dyed shirt from a couple weeks ago? Because, frankly, who could forget the tie-dyed shirt, although it pales in comparison uh, to Ezzy's banana shirt that he's currently wearing at the at, at the moment. You know, um, But uh, I wore my mustard. tie-dyed it's shirt. Mustard, Drew. Okay, well, whatever color it is. That's why I love the shirt, because later today I'm going to have a smoky, and if I spill or get any hot uh, mustard on it, you can't even tell, right? Where are you going to have a smoky? Like, is this a planned smoky? Like, is there an out? Is there a, a smoky related outing? Barbecue? My, no, I'm just going to barbecue my own smokies. Just by yourself, not for the yeah. kids or anything. No, just, just by myself. Smokies in my yellow shirt in my backyard. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, at least you know that you can get mustard on it, but uh, uh, that's always an important, you know, you're planning ahead. I think that's the important part uh, moving forward. Dave M is honestly, Dave looks like he's chewing glass. Like he wants to murder both of us uh, at the same time, simultaneously, just going to line us up one bullet. And no, no. Well, I mean, yeah, one bullet to to knock out you two would be fine, but, but the reality, well, maybe not as he, but the the truth is that, no, I'm just engage, I'm engaging with the chat. I'm looking at what the folks are saying. I'm paying a little more attention to everyone. I'm going to thank everyone. You're going again. over the depth chart of Team USA for the World Junior Summer Showcase. I, am. I, may, I may have been trying to add a little post on illegalcurve.com <laughs> as a result of Ezzy's comments and or Drew's comments. And uh, yeah, no, I want to thank you. I'm going to take this chat opportunity as my chance to thank everyone and make sure you smash that like button, folks, please. That helps yeah. us and make sure you're subscribed when you're uh, watching our show. Most of you are, but let's get that number even higher. That's exactly right. Well said. And we'll give our more formal goodbye as we get closer. We For still sure. have 18 minutes worth of rambling to go through before we can wrap up this uh, lots of show extra left. special edition of uh, the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. AMA. I guess it's not AMA anymore. Now what is it? It's AMMA. Uh, ask Mindell. Well, it's actually, if you reorganize the letters, guys, it's MAGA. Because <laughs> you throw a G in there, it would be AMGA, but you can also... Obviously that. Obviously this isn't. Obviously this isn't the MAGA crowd. I wouldn't mind making this show great again. <laughs> <laughs> I can, there's one way to do it, I, I think. But uh, he's un, you unfortunately invited him into the show. Oh, well, we could so always ban him. I'm not sure that's going to work out very well at, at this moment. Anyways, uh, nonetheless, we will keep going and keep uh, ask answering any questions accordingly. I like this idea for Marco. Should we now that as he's we launch a hot dog cart in their off season? Well, as he did idea. used to work. Remember, as he did, did. used to work for at a, for a hot dog cart. Yeah, Bo and dogs. that hot dog cart actually used to be owned by Hal Anderson. So shout out to Hal Anderson. But yes, shout out to Boaz Levin who owned the cart. He bought it from Hal Anderson, the thirty-fourth uh, greatest Canadian or whatever he was. Hal's a great, great guy. Does a great job on on CJOB, obviously. Um, yes, but I did sell hot dogs all over the place. We used to sell hot dogs at the old Winnipeg Stadium outside of what was then the MTS Center. We used to do concerts. I saw a brawl breakout outside of a Black Label Society concert uh, back in the day at Winnipeg Convention Center. That was a little bit crazy i was just like please leave me alone don't Were steal they any hot dogs over the hot dogs like i, I need more information like, was the brawl about like maybe there was like a poor like were people stealing each other's condiments like what was it a hot dog related brawl it wasn't hot dog related just a big brawl i mean black label society if you know that band it's a metal band right so it's it's a bit of a boisterous crowd let's just say that and no it had nothing to do with hot dogs and no hot dogs were injured uh, at any point during that fight but yeah we used to sell hot dogs all over if you remember blush ultra club which was outside <laughs> of uh, across the street from canada life center the best the, my favorite part about selling hot dogs was like if it was late at night and for anybody who went to the old palomino club i'm sure people have had some hot dogs uh under the influence of some alcohol but the best was like sometimes people wouldn't even like they'd be so drunk that they couldn't even say like i want a hot dog and i would just like give them the hot dog and they would give me like a $20 bill for a $5 hot dog. So that was always fun. But uh, yeah, I love hot dogs, love mustard, love my shirt. Uh, I can't I wait to spill mustard on it. I remember, you know, for, for our wedding, my wedding, not our wedding, none of us have married each other, but uh, for my wedding. In- I could marry Dave, I think. I think we would you make guys, a good couple. We would make a great couple. I mean, yeah. you already spent enough time together. You know, yeah. you, you're pretty sure you're common law. Uh, yeah, I've already got it, homestead rights. So. He does have homestead rights. There's no question about it. <laughs> but I remember being, you talked about somebody being so drunk they're not actually able to order or, or you know, fulfill the transaction necessarily. Um, it must have been the Friday before my, uh, Laura and I got married and we were all down in Kentucky. Uh, and we were out 
you know, celebrating and having a good time and the drinks were flowing as, uh, as he frequently uh, references. And after the night ended, we were all standing in line to get pizza from the pizza by the slice place. And the guy in front of me just could barely, he was not a functioning human being anymore. And he couldn't articulate what he wanted, but they still gave him a piece of pizza and he couldn't, you know, complete the transaction of actually paying for the pizza. And I, I mean, I was, you know, I was barely more sober than this guy was, but I still had my wits about me. I was able to, you know, and the guy just, just wasn't functioning. So, you know, it, was very, it sort of looked like Mitch McConnell in that uh, press conference a couple of days ago. If you've too seen soon, that, Drew, you know, way too soon, yeah, too well, soon but I'm bringing it all together. Cause it's all Kentucky He's the Senator for Kentucky. So it's all coming together. But uh, anyways, I, I really I, hope I, his story has an ending for God's sakes. <laughs> I paid for the guy's pizza and the poor uh, employee working at the pizza shack who's seen everything just looked at me and said the most, like uh, the most like, Thank you. The deepest thank you I think I've ever received in my life, just so that I got this guy out of the way so she didn't have to deal with him as he could, just couldn't function as a human being uh, anymore. So there you go. If you want to talk about uh, drunkards and late night food, uh, as he's got his <laughs> the story better include the clock, Spencey. No, it does not include the grandfather. I'll clock. be honest, Drew. That was not a good story. Um, yeah, I think, was, Dave, really I think Dave needs to tell a story from his, you know, back in his uh, glory days just to make up for that story. But uh, no, I mean, it's fun. I mean, hot dog carts are classic and they're almost at night always surrounded by drunk people looking for just something to put in their mouth. Dave, how am I supposed to follow up with that after he just said that? Well, Drew, we only have 13 minutes left, so start, stop farting around and let's get to more some more questions. Come okay. on, tut, tut, tut. Let me look at more questions after. Look, it's, I guess it this show has really gone off the rails. I have no idea why. Showed up. Here you go. This one's from Rob Mahoney. And as you can handle this one, it's hockey related. Claude yeah. Giroux, is he a Hall of Famer in, in your estimation? That's a really good question, actually, because. I put this out on Twitter for anybody. No, I'm not being sarcastic at all. First off, shout out to Rob. No, no, no. I was just laughing at the entire last 17 minutes. Oh, of yeah. Of us talking about hot dogs and mustard and everything. Yeah. yeah you know what, Rob? I think I, I I haven't broken down everything yet, but I mean, he's definitely in the conversation, right? And if you look at his numbers, and I know, you know, people will point out the, the lack of a Stanley Cup and everything like that. Um, but if you look at his numbers, and I can pull them up right here, like he, what does he have? Is he close to 400? 450 goals, something like that. And did, what is he at? Is he at a thousand points yet? I think he's, yeah, he's at a, just had a hit a thousand points, 329 goals, a thousand and two points. Um, and even though he hasn't won a Stanley cup, just look, pulling up his numbers now, 81 points in 95 career playoff games. Right. So obviously those are hall of fame type numbers. And I think, you know, we've been talking about this, you know, a little bit, uh, especially considering that, you know, they recently had the hall of fame ceremony, right. Jeremy Roenick was in town for the Reedy JCC dinner. I absolutely think J.R. Dave is a Hall of Famer. Like the 500 goals, I think that's fourth most ever among American players, right? So to me, Jeremy Roenick is obviously a Hall of Famer. Alex McGilney, I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. I think Curtis Joseph should be in the Hall of Fame. And Pavel Datsuk, guys, is, is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Pardon me, uh, First time eligible. I mean, come on, Pavel Datsuk with all of the Selkies and Lady Bings and Stanley Cups. And how many how many times has he represented Russia at the Olympics? I think five, right? Including w winning a gold. What was that? 2018, Dave, I believe. So, I mean, I think Datsuk is a Hall of Famer. Um, I, I personally think you guys know how much I like Patrick Eliash as a Devils fan. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. But the reality is only so many guys can go in every year. Um, you know, just speaking of female players, uh, Jennifer Botterill should be in the Hall of Fame as far as I'm concerned. And I think they should 
start letting in two female players a year, to be honest with you, because I don't think that's ever happened. So long, a long-winded answer for Rob there. But yes, I do think, you know, Claude Giroux, once his career's over, uh, should get Hall of Fame consideration. Maybe his goal totals hurt him a little bit because um, he's more of an assist guy, right? Like you're talking about 300 goals, 700 assists, right? Um, but Dave, what do you think? Is Giroux a Hall of Famer for you? Um, yeah, I mean, he's, uh, you know, the problem is the Hall of Fame has changed what it's, what it represented, right? So I think it's a Hall of Very Good Players now. That's my life. I know, that's why I'm stealing it. But if I, <laughs> it's my first time speaking in 15 minutes, God, Drew. I'm going to do something. But anyways, I, look, I think it's, I, I think he's a very good player. Um, I don't think there's any question about it. He's done some phenomenal things for the Flyers organization. And, and yeah, I mean, it's, look, his career's not over, right? So he can, uh, can still, still do some damage sense. yeah mean, so he's still know. playing so i think it's a little premature to start you know until we see where he ultimately finishes but i i'm with as i think he's been a he's been a phenomenal hockey player for the road his career he's but not I mean, a shoe-in right dave no, like, that's what i say he's, he's definitely not a guy we're talking about in the first or second go around he'll he'll be a later addition if so there you go claude Giroux getting his or the question about claude Giroux getting answered on the ama edition the ask mindel manuk Ginsburg. Just quickly, I just quickly, know. Drew wanted to throw one guy in there who recently retired. Uh, okay. Two guys, actually. Patrice Bergeron, we all agree, first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, oh, yeah. Arguably, you renamed the Selkie Trophy after him, Dave. I'm not even joking when I say I, that. I don't like the idea of renaming. because Okay, you know, but they... I mean, he's that good that he's one guy that you would actually consider it. You'll give me that, yeah, right? Uh, no, Another absolutely. guy that I think is a, is a first balloter or easily gets into the Hall of Fame. I think you guys are know where I'm going with this is Ryan Getzlaff. Oh, yeah. yeah, look, I mean, he's his Getzlaff's accomplishments both in the NHL and internationally would 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 put him at that at that level. I would agree with that. I mean, you know, there's certain guys that I don't have a problem with. You know, look, I still don't understand how Mike Vernon got in this past year. I still think that is was just silliness. Uh, After you know, I met him in the Calgary airport, he was a shoe in. Yeah, well, I'm, well especially over Cujo, Drew, like all time wins. What is Cujo, Dave? Like fourth or something? Like, if you look at Cujo's numbers versus Vernon's numbers, Cujo clearly had better historic numbers. But, I mean, Mike Vernon won the Cups, right? He's got two Stanley Cup rings. He had a pretty good career. So, But I'm, I'm with you, Drew. I was surprised by Vernon. Yeah. Uh, ask me anything. Uh, PG wants to know, Ezzy, which 7-Elevens sell the best apples? I am not allowed to buy apples from 7-Eleven anymore. So I'm not <laughs> period. sure. He's not allowed which... to buy apples, period. Let's just say that the Corden 7-Eleven is my home 7-Eleven here in River Heights. So I only go to that one. Um, I don't even know if they sell apples anymore after that incident. I might have, you know, ended that just like I ended school uh, dances at Kelvin High School uh, when I drank a Mickey of tequila and had to have my stomach pumped. But uh, hopefully no employers are currently, future employers are listening year. to this right now. Your employers already know, Ezzy. So that was 1999. It was 99. It was a dark yeah. time, uh, you yeah. know. And there you go. And, and if Ezzy can find love, then uh, whoever was a prime timer who was asking about finding love. So if Ezzy can find love after the rotten apple and the stomach pumping story, I have, we have nothing but faith in you, prime timer, that you too will be able to find love uh, in the, uh, you know over the over the coming months. True here. love is blind, and there's somebody waiting for everybody, right? Like everybody has a, a Bashert, as they say. A Bashert, look at you bringing out the uh, the Hebrew words and the the Yiddish words uh, on this final edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show before we wrap it up for the summer and come back again the Saturday after Labor Day. So it's five weeks off. So let me look at a calendar, see if I can figure out when Labor Day is. Okay, it looks like Labor Day is Saturday, September the 2nd. So we will be back September on... 9th. 
Banjo Bowl Saturday. So Saturday, September the 9th, we're going to start your Banjo Bowl Saturday off with us here on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. And then if you're planning on attending the Banjo Bowl, as I am, it's already sold out. So if you're not planning, if you don't have tickets, you're not going, I think is basically what the, that means. But I will be there as well. So be sure to join Can I us go with Saturday. you, Drew? Is that is that what's no. happening? Oh. No, Who's no, going with you? Laura? Laura? Laura and I go to this yeah. game. We send the kids off to the grandparents. The parents gone wild. There'll be some day drinking. We we'll send the kids it... off to the pound. <laughs> I did not say the pound. I said to the grandparents, Ezzy, the grandparents. I'm, we're not uh, we're not rude like that to, to say and send them to the pound. Uh, but uh, no, there'll be a little bit of uh, tipping some alcohol back on Banjo Bowl Saturday, which will coincide with the return of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show here on our YouTube channel. If you haven't already done so, be sure to smash the like button, subscribe to the podcast, and let us know your thoughts on this show, as ridiculous as it may have been. The last 20 minutes has for sure been the highlight for me. I mean, it's certainly been great. Here, T. Kona Pauly, he's asking, he's waiting patiently, where do Brad Lambert and Chaz Lucius start the season next year? I'll start with Dave M. on that one. Well, I'm not going to turn this into Manuke Moose Minute, but there's probably no doubt in my mind that they are going to be with the Manitoba Moose. I think that, you know, they both had the opportunity to be down in uh, the, you know, junior hockey and get that chance. But, you know, look, I mean, Point on your antlers, it's time for the Manuk Moose Minute on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. (laughs) Couldn't resist. I I didn't know why you were pretending to resist to begin with. That was the part that I didn't quite understand. No, I mean, I I think there's no question about it. They're going to get a chance. Uh, Look, Lucius was having a really good um, start to his year with Portland, not start to his season, but start to his junior career in Portland. He was ripping it up. And of course, Lambert was as well with Seattle. Uh, Lucius, big question mark, of course, is staying healthy. That's going to be critical. But I mean, he is a a goal scorer. He's got a good knack for the net. And Lambert, again, you know, his move to center. Craig Eisinger said it to us at the end of season moves uh, roundtable. They wouldn't have anticipated that his move to center would have been as smooth as it was as when they did it in junior. So we'll see if they give him a shot at center up the middle. Like, Like I detailed earlier, 10 Jets prospects could be playing for the Moose uh, this season. So there's going to be a lot of excitement to watch the Manitoba Moose hockey. And of course, you're going to cover it here for uh, with us on illegalcurve.com and of course, our YouTube channel. Yeah, and I agree with Dave. I, I think both Lucius and Lambert will play for the Moose. And I believe Lucius isn't el- eligible to play in the WHL. I might be wrong about that. He's 20 years old, right? He was drafted a year earlier than than Lambert, right, Dave? So unless you you give me a signal. I think that uh, it's either NHL or AHL for Lucius. Is it not? Uh, I can't, I honestly, off the top of my head, I'm not even sure the rule right now. Like I'm not, I'm not certain as to whether I'd have to look to see if he's he, 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 he might, 21. So yeah, I think he, would he be an overager? Right, yeah, I think as he's right. But I mean, regardless, I look, the fact of the matter is they wanted to give him a I'm shot. Just saying like Lambert could play for Seattle, right? right? Like he's That's eligible no for sure to play for that. Seattle, but yeah. Lucius. And so I don't, I don't see Lucius. For that reason alone, right? There's not well, there really go. many options, right? And I think because he's been injured so much, you're right. I think this is a big year for him. We've seen much more out of Lambert, who's a year younger, with everything that he's done, right? Uh, with Seattle on the playoff run and everything like that. And you're right, yeah. Dave, with all those other prospects. Um, you know, we've talked about Daniel Torgerson, Henry Nikonen. I mean, Vili Hainala most likely is going to play the most of the year with the Moose. So 
it's going to yeah. be a, a young team. And a lot of these guys are, I, I should say, you know, at least half of these guys are, are going to be NHLers in the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah, and like I thought with Lucius, he's an overager, so he would be allowed to play one more year of uh, of the but in the CHL. But that's but what yeah. Dave, I'm, sorry, go ahead, Dave. No, I'm done. Go ahead. Well, that's what I was saying is that Dave and I talked about this earlier on the show. Is that the that next wave of Jets young prospects is is you know right on the cusp. Uh, you know, assuming their development path continues, that they are getting close to you know trying to be able to crack into that Winnipeg Jets lineup. You know, sure they probably need another year of seasoning, but it's not too far away that the guys that who've been recently drafted are 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 very close to. To, to coming and trying to be key members of this team moving forward. So that is uh, going to be something very interesting to keep an eye on with regard to the Manitoba Moose this year, which, of course, Dave will have covered and will have covered in its entirety. It's on IllegalCurve.com, and it'll be, of course, here regularly with the Manuk Moose Minute on the Illegal Curve postgame show and interviews, of course, every Saturday on the Illegal Curve hockey show. Boys, I'm going to have to leave uh, just before the show wraps up here. Naomi just texted me that I have to make lunch for the kids. So I just want to thank everybody who's watching live or on the replay. Thanks for sticking with us on the Saturday show and all the post-game shows. I'm sure, you know, Drew and Dave are going to be more eloquent in their, uh, you know, their thank yous at the end of the show. But I just want to thank everybody for watching whenever you watched, however you watched. And, you know, we're looking forward to getting the 23-24 season underway in in september so i'm gonna go make my kids lunch and thank you and there he goes a good vibe from ezra ginsburg there perfect ending to his uh cameo performance no no come on still here that was come mean on. drew it was pretty funny it was pretty good comedic timing that's what that was that was pretty good comedic timing in my humble. have a good rest of the show boys Bye, Bye, Ezra. Love later you. peace later, there he goes, Ezra Ginsburg, making a cameo uh, appearance on this morning's a long cameo season. Yeah, cameo without having to pay for cameo yeah. uh, season finale. That's what we should do. We should put ourselves on cameo just and see how uh, zero for a grand total no. of zero dollars and zero cents. You could, we will we will send you a recorded message. We'll do uh, it for no cost. Yeah, we'll do a no cost cameo appearance here. So if you if you want to confuse any of your family members with birthday greetings from any of us at Illegal Curve, just send us a message and we'll be sure to give them that lump of coal in their birthday stocking. Uh, as uh, if I can mix the uh, mix the metaphors a little bit as we wrap up this edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, as as he mentioned, and we do this show because we have fun with it. Uh, but really, this show is all about you and your support and your continued listenership and your continued viewership and the chat and just the opportunities we've had uh, getting together, getting to know some of you, those of us that we've met in person and those of you that we know virtually through this format. Uh, we are always indebted to your loyalty and your willingness to put up with uh, our nonsense because frankly it's a lot of it is nonsense there's elements of hockey analysis sprinkled in every now and then but a lot of it is nonsense and we do thank you so much for putting up with us and engaging with us and embracing us as you have for so many years here on the illegal curve hockey show and then of course on the illegal curve post game show uh before i wrap dave you can give your little final message and then i will do uh uh you know our final goodbyes for the next five weeks yeah, no, I mean, I, I'll just reiterate the points Drew made because I, I do appreciate uh, the support you provide us, whether it's in the chat. And even if you're not, you know, if you're watching the show and you're not chatting, yeah. that's significant. I know people have added, even though they don't want to 
participate necessarily in the discussion. They they add a YouTube account because they'll they know that you know ha- subscribing helps us builds this channel, and that's what we're trying to do is continue to build this channel. So we appreciate that, and we and we don't take for granted uh, the fact that you do choose to spend your Saturday mornings with us, or after every single Jets game with us, or our random pop-up shows or four hours with us on the draft show. Or like I said, and the day before with Drew and I for an hour and a half doing the breakdown of a trade breakdown uh, show. So uh, we, we don't take that for granted. We appreciate each and every one of you and the fact that you guys do that. And like I said, it really has been a, a pleasure getting to, to know folks uh, in a more significant fashion, you know, seeing people at the Kenny and Rennie uh, party, getting a chance to drop off the gear. I'm all, 99% done. There are still a few outstanding. I, as I said, the PG, don't worry. You're going to be getting yours next week. Um, in fact, I think PG is right near my office. So there's really no excuse for PG if I recall correctly, <laughs> but, but, but regardless, uh, it has been fantastic to get to know everyone. And, and like I said, uh, we appreciate everything you do for us. The one other thing I will ask if you can throughout the course of the year, if you're listening on podcast right now, or if you're listening live on the show, uh, if you get a chance, go. I think Jet Oil Tom is the last, who's actually coincidentally was the last comment, but I think Jet Oil Tom is the last person who wrote a review of Illegal Curve. So uh, hopefully we can get a few others of you. Go on your, go just when you're in your iPhone, go on the podcast, leave a comment, and that, that helps us out as well. Helps folks find us. Look, we've, uh, we've got a very good podcast uh, in terms of Canadian hockey content. We're always up there, and that's because of you folks. So, uh, you know, it's my long way of saying thank you. Uh, I hope everyone has a great summer. And again, if you see me out and about, whether it's in Gimli or in Riding Mountain or anywhere in our fantastic province, please come say hello. I uh, love talking to folks. So that will be uh, what I'm looking forward to over the next five weeks. And then, of course, back here September 9th, uh, bigger, better. And again, one of the things Drew's alluded to, but there'll be some changes for next year. We'll hopefully have an even better product for all of you and some some new additions to the post-game show that we're hoping will uh, really hit home and make it a lot of a better, well, it'll be more of Drew and I, but, but more, more of a better uh, experience for you as a, as a, as a watcher. So we appreciate uh, everything uh, you guys bring us. And I just want to say thanks. Holy rambling uh, soliloquy from Mindell. Oh, I'm there. sorry. I didn't speak for the last 25 <laughs> minutes, Mindell, like you, for God's sake. So yes, I was allowed to ramble. I say it with love, and that's the love that we have for all of you. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. If it's Saturday, it's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We'll see you on Saturday, September the 9th. IllegalCurve.com will keep on rolling all August long. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.